When I was young, I used to bump crossroads at the intersection. Similarly, syllables rip them faster than a millisecond. Opposite of the pulling guard, hit them with the misdirection. These rappers think somebody get them a fresh breath. Man. These boys, rookies like orientation with 10 freshmen. Spitting whack writings, good riddance, that's the death sentence. Defend the throne, pull a malu with the interception. Gun laws non-existent, unlimited Smith and West. I put on for my poly people across the globe A small number, but we worth more than a pot of gold My first love was a Kush blunt in an Optimo Until I met my baby, I told Jane, you gotta go Grow from sea, flow poetry, family straight Never catch me with a groupie hoe, that's a sad mistake Hit the studio, ladies, is what people can relate to No matter how good you do, some people still gon' hate you Stay faithful, this is fate, I was born in Macy What's up everyone and welcome back to the 2-on-1 Fantasy Sports Podcast I'm your commish, Tommy Mo, And you can find me on Twitter, TikTok TikTok, Instagram, everywhere at 2on1ffb. And today, I'm bringing you another off-season episode, the last installment of our series on rookie prospects, presented by the Undroppables Network of Podcasts and brought to you by AnalystDepot.com. They are making fantasy analysis easy with all the tools you need to create custom rankings and player data, all with the help of Projection AI. And I am so excited for today's show because I get to talk to two amazing player evaluators in the fantasy football industry, and we're going to get their reactions on the NFL draft and their takes on fantasy-relevant rookies. Our first guest is making his third appearance on the show, and we've been lucky to have him on the past two years to recap the NFL draft with us. He's the lead NFL writer and analyst for Fantasy Pros and the co-host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. He also creates amazing content like the weekly primer during the NFL season. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. What's up, Tags? Welcome back to the two on one. No, well, thanks for having me back. I, I didn't screw up too bad. You invited me back, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> uh, we were just talking before the show about you know after the NFL draft this time. It's a, it's a fun time because we actually get to evaluate things that have actually happened. You know, there's concrete things that we can talk about, and uh, now it's now it's the fun part. You know, projecting how these prospects like they're gonna you know how they're going to be used in their new roles with their new teams, whether or not they yeah. fit in with that system. And that's the projecting part that uh, is the most fun. So I'm uh, looking forward to it, man. Yeah. And it's all like the culmination of all of our takes, our rankings, our mocks, like throw that all away. Cause now it's finally happened. We finally get to see where these guys land. And then the new process starts of evaluating and projecting, like you're saying, where they're going to be uh, uh, for this next year, for fantasy relevancy, for dynasty, for the long term. Uh, now the fun starts. I feel like it's the start of uh, the new season, really. And, and you know, you, you joke about you not messing up. I, I'm glad you're gracing me with your presence that because uh, I know I probably messed up something the first two years you're on here. But like I said, we're really stoked to have you back, uh, to have you back here to talk about these rookies. Because um, when it comes to player evaluators, like I said, with the primer uh, in, in the intro, um, you're, you're one of the best. You know, you, you take the deep dive into all these players and get us all primed up for the season. No, I appreciate it, man. And like, that's the, the idea is that, you know, you give a process, you let people know what your process is and why you think what it is, what you think. And, and hopefully in the end, people understand if you miss, it's like, what did you miss for? And that's the part we have to go right. back and, and check ourselves to say, what did we miss on? Why did we miss on it? You know, where was the process wrong? But I think most people respect the fact that if you have that process, you know, of going through and explaining things thoroughly, that they pretty much understand why you were saying what you were and why you were projecting what you were. So I'm looking forward to learning something today's show. I know you got another great guest out with us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have another amazing guest. Uh, 
and we've had great guests all off season. So this has been a fantastic uh, series of podcasts we've been doing here at the two on one fantasy sports. And, and, and yeah, so I'm so glad to bring on this next guest, uh, you know, and so it's someone that secretly uh, I've been mad at before on Twitter. Didn't let him know just seeing there just like watching his takes like, Oh man, this guy is really just getting to me, but it's always how he grades my favorite team, the Raiders and, and on their draft. Uh, and I, but I can never stay mad at him despite like whatever he says, I can never stay mad at him because his analysis and his points are so spot on right that he has just uh like you're saying tax the process he explains it so well that i can't i can't hate on him the, the guy's smart he knows what he's doing uh but he's the lead college football and nfl draft analyst for embassy sports edge and you can find all of his draft rankings and team grades on twitter at thorku what's up thor nystrom welcome to doing? the two-on-one hey thanks for having me man this is my maiden voyage very excited oh right on yeah i'm stoked to have you i've been uh like i said i've been following you for a while and um I think I saw it was like two years ago, you know, and, and and like I said, to be fair, all your grades on the Raiders are always fair for their drafts. <laughs> uh, but but I remember you uh, you got a lot of flack a couple of years ago and you even went on the I think it was the Raider Cody podcast to just jump yeah. on there, and explain yourself. And and like I said, I was I was mad at what you had put on Twitter and the grade. But then when I heard you on that podcast and the way you explained it, I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like. What what can I say? You know, like and so thank you for for joining us today to to talk about the draft because again, like I know you've been doing deep dives on on these guys and been way deep in uh in valuing these players. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Yeah, and I love talking about this stuff. So excited for him. Right on. Um, so you know, to to kick it off, um, really, I just kind of want to get your guys' instant reactions from the NFL draft. Um, maybe like one word or phrase just to say like how you thought about this draft, especially compared to others. I know tags you've been actually at the draft in the past um but but what do you guys think about this one well you know just excited about it It was what you expected or, or just kind of a letdown i mean thor i mean i'm curious on your take on this one because i felt it was more predictable than in years past and i don't know if that's because we didn't have the combine we didn't have a chance for these prospects to meet with the teams but um a lot of the mocks it seems like there were some of the most accurate mocks that we've ever seen and i think it's because they had to go back to the film which is ultimately what it should come down to i think the film yeah. should weigh more than what they see at the combine and you know the senior bowl and the measurables but uh, in the end i thought it was a lot more predictable than than some people thought yeah, I think it it depended on if you saw the Trey Lance thing coming in advance, because the people that didn't, it, the first round of them, it was one stunner after another. But, it, you know, as long as you saw that one coming, like everything sort of clicked into place after that, we sort of expected that Fields was going to fall. I mean, like that would have, to me, been a surprise in a vacuum if we hadn't heard the, the two months of reports. And then Mac Jones ended up falling kind of like I thought he would. So, yeah, I mean, just in terms of the first round. From from you know me looking in, I there weren't as many big surprises with that, and we got another fun uh, Raiders pick. I don't know if I could talk about that with Tommy. <laughs> oh, here, but, I've, uh... I've been prepared. I've been prepared for this show because both <laughs> of you guys, I've seen the draft grades already, so I already know. It was a fun night. It was a fun weekend. Super fun weekend. Well, and and you know you guys were were getting um you're plugged in right you're plugged in the industry you're you're hearing what these teams are saying about these players but I guess um for a lot of those folks on Twitter you know we're we're kind of trying to weed through it of how much is actually just smoke um and how much you can really rely on and you know even with like those Zach Wilson thing um you know I, I think some of us maybe because also where um, our heart lies with with some of these rankings of these players like we you know we didn't really think that they would actually do that you know well i mean do we actually think they're going to move up for mac jones probably not right but um seeing fields drop and and stuff like that like you were saying you, you were listening to it so it made sense but i think some of us were hoping it was smoke that's for sure 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, and just, you know, again, from like that hindsight, like if you were, if you saw the Lansing coming in, they, the rest of it, and you know, th- there was also the thing with the Julio Jones rumors before, you know, regarding the Falcons, right. I was like, okay, they're taking pets, you know, and then we knew that the Bengals were going to take chase. I, I thought, you know, I thought maybe they would, they re- reconsider Sewell, but like those ones sort of just clicked in. And I, that goes back to Tags's point about like the, the most accurate mock things. Cause I think this year was the most accurate mocks. And like, as long as you got those first four, right. You mm-hmm. set yourself up really well after that, you know, and some people saw that whole thing coming. Right. Yeah. And, and you kind of mentioned it there. I mean, the first surprise I know for me um, was, was the Bengals uh, uh, going with chase and not because of chase, but passing on Panay Sewell. Um, was that a surprise to you guys or, or did you um, I guess kind of expect it? Cause you know, how can you pass on a guy like Ch- uh, Jamar chase? It wasn't a surprise to me just because what we had heard out of Cincinnati and it, I mean, it passed the smell test as well. We know the kid's not going to bust. We know he's a stud. We already saw with the quarterback they already have, have right. you know, arguably the most dominant single season in, in college football history as far as a quarterback and wide receiver. So, you know, there's going to be no translation problems either. But the, the thing with Sewell is like, I mean, like you're talking, I mean, for me, he was the best offensive lineman I evaluated over the last five years. So that was the only reason why I was like, well, you know, it really does seem like they're going to take chase, but you know, maybe they'll, you know, they'll consider both or, you know, maybe we'll see them go with Sua, but you know, indeed it, it was uh, chase. And then that sort of screwed over the dolphins right after them, you know, they they had to go with the second receiver and um, the Detroit lions, they, they started off what was their first good draft in years by, by taking Sua. They got lucky at the top and then they were good the rest of the draft. So it's, it's pretty surprising to say that about a lion's draft. Right. Yeah, I know the Lions. Uh, I love seeing that video. The Lions GM just so pumped that he they landed Sewell because yep. yeah, I, I mean that that one. You know, no one had had a Sewell mock to, or at least I didn't see it. I didn't see anyone have Sewell mock to to the Lions. But um, but yeah, tags. Uh, you know, so your what were your favorite and least favorite teams of this draft? I know you're going. Um, I was listening to the last uh, Fantasy Pros podcast, and you guys are kind of going down with your draft grades. Uh, but and this will kind of lead me into let's kind of hate on the Raiders later. But your favorite, let's start with your favorite draft uh, uh, team of this uh, of this draft. I really liked what the Ravens did. Um, the Ravens got a lot of value in the draft, and it, it, at times it felt like they were drafting off my big board, where it's like I'm watching Rashad Bateman, who was my wide receiver for in this draft class. Now, does this mean it's a great thing for fantasy? No. I like Tylen Wall- Wallace, too. Uh, he fell to them uh, in the fourth round, where it's like they, they took that depth chart that needed some acquisitions. They added to it. They added players yeah. that... Honestly, are going to they're going to complement Marquise Brown very well. I mean, Marquise Brown should be going back to that field stretcher role. He's never going to be that alpha. So Rashad Bateman can play in the slot. He can play in the perimeter. They can move him around. It's going to give them some options. And again, that was a big need for them. Uh, drafting right. edge rusher, you know, getting an edge rusher in that first round was. I think everybody expected them to do that. Uh, Awe is or Awe, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Yeah, um, Awe. He's, he's someone that it's. I, I know he didn't have the production in college, but in terms of like translating to the NFL, the athleticism is crazy there. Um, mm-hmm. The NFL, the, the IQ that he has is fantastic, but it's more about for me putting on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. Baltimore continually churns out edge rushers. That coaching staff, I have tremendous faith in them for them to d- develop him. And then Ben Cleveland falling into the third round to them. It was just like, I kept waiting for him to come off the board. He may have been my favorite interior lineman. Now, granted, he's not a center. Uh, so you figured Dickerson was going to go before him. Uh, but Ben Cleveland, fantastic play there. They grabbed a few cornerbacks that Sean Wade, not great in the perimeter, but inside the slot, he was good back in 2019. That was where he was better. So they're going to probably use him in a hybrid safety corner, nickel corner yeah. role. Um, I, I really dug their draft. It was fantastic. And if you want to look at the worst drafts, I mean, you look no further than the Texans. Um, I mean, 
we don't even need to get into the Texans. Bill O'Brien left them in a bad spot, but at the, at the same time, we have to hold this new regime to say, hey, he right. left you in a bad spot. You have to make the most of it. You have to do what you have to do. And they had a terrible draft. I also think the Rams, I think the Rams have drafted bad the last few years, but at the same time, their coaching staff brings out the best in each player they acquire. It's almost like they're acquiring them for a specific thing. They're making trades uh, to help this team. And honestly, the coaching is what matters. You know, the yeah. coaching is what's made that team, not the prospects that they've drafted. So even though their draft wasn't great, they drafted guys that they were high, had higher conviction on. I think the Rams would be fine with nothing but day three picks and just kind of throw darts at the players that they want to take. Um, but those were my least favorite drafts. Yeah, and they've made some good day three or uh, round three picks, at least in the past. And then what they didn't have their first pick until round three, I think, this year. Second, um, round, seven, round two. Yeah. So, yeah. And two, two, I mean, gosh. Um, talk about loving speed. I mean, that's, that's what that guy's about. So I guess he's they're They're trying to bring him in and um, stretch the field a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. Uh, Thor, what about you? What about your, uh, your, your favorite and least favorite teams in this draft? I like Baltimore's class as well. Some other ones that I would toss out, uh, Cleveland, Chicago, and Denver were my three A pluses this year. I also really like what Kansas City did with less equity. They basically turned a first-round pick into Orlando Brown and Creed Humphrey because they got a yeah. second-round pick. But that that's insane. That's absolutely insane value. Um, so th those teams um, – Buffalo, as far as another team that had less equity, I, I like what they did. Um, they sort of do the Baltimore light thing of just picking up the values as they come to them. I thought they did another good job of that. Um, Carolina, Detroit, I, I, I mentioned it before. I liked Atlanta's draft a lot. They did the right thing, staying there and taking pets. And then as far as the uh, the bad drafts, we, we had quite a few this year. Um, New Orleans had a terrible draft. Tampa Bay had a bizarre draft. After last year, they were they were one of the few teams that, like locked in on, on draft. They got my number one tackle and worse, my number one safety in Winfield. Uh, this weekend, I don't know what they were doing. Um, it was like it was like they were sort of using some of these picks to nod to a future that that the prospects that they're taking almost have no shot of being above average contributors <laughs> in that future. So it's like, why don't you just try to improve your roster right now for your yeah. title run and stop getting cute with Kyle Trask in the second round? Get out of here. Um, Las Vegas had a terrible draft. Green Bay had a terrible draft. Th those last two teams got my F's. Um, Washington and the Giants are, are were two other teams that I I didn't like their draft at all. Although the Giants, you have to give them a caveat that even they got sniped. You know that that sucked for them. You know the, mm -hmm. the Devonta trade, whatever. What I will say in on in their defense is getting the first rounder of Chicago's next year. I thought that was really smart. Uh, but the fact they took Kadarius Tony at twenty, um, right. that's that's a real head scratcher. So is that a bigger reach? And I think I put it on Twitter, like what was the worst pick for them? Uh, Daniel Jones, you know, or, or Kadarius Tony, just at where they drafted both of those players. To me, it's Kadarius Tony. I, I, I'm easily by margin. He's yeah. not worth the top 20 pick. Like at least with Daniel Jones, like he was a first round talent. Right. And there was contextual right. reason to explain the struggles he had at Duke throwing deep i.e. he had a broken collarbone his senior year at duke didn't have any talent around him so it was just like the short stuff whatever but like at least in that's that's it was like well you know they took my 30th overall prospect at you know whatever it was you know five six seven or you know wherever it was and it's like okay they you know they decided to pay a premium not maybe with the guy that i would have taken but but the the tony thing is like for for me he's a third round guy yeah that guy doesn't make plays 
beyond five yards downfield. Like you have to manufacture his touches for him. And what people don't talk about with it, with him, because I heard a lot of like, oh, Thor, you didn't watch the you know film last year because you know Kadarius Tony was starting to run routes, all this different stuff. Kadarius Tony's a guy whose catch rate plummets when people are around him. You look at his contested catch rate against you know against the other stuff, and his catch rate also plummets when you get five and then ten yards downfield. It's clear with him. It's it's just the the manufactured touch thing. He hits all of his extra points in terms of catching the you know the extended handoffs or whatever. Yeah. Last season he was in one of the unique situations of any receiver in college football history. He got to play with an effort mutant, Kyle Pitts. You talk about a guy that that with Tony that where he needs space, he has to have it because he will not get the ball if there's someone around him. Uh, Kyle Pitts changes the whole geometry of the football field. Just right. his presence alone, that tremendously helped Kadarius Tony. And also, you couldn't put two guys on Kadarius Tony anymore. Usually, it was you know one of their lower, mm-hmm. down, smaller slot guys. So he was in a very advantageous uh, position last year. Still didn't go over a thousand yards. Never did. Um, I, you know, I just as far as his game itself, and then as far as what we've seen, as far as all this stuff, I I, I don't under I don't know what justifies that pick. This is a four year guy in college, Rondell Moore. At least you know he comes out after three because yes. he's similar in terms of the manufactured touches. At least with him, you can say, first of all, I saw him absolutely, you know, unobjectively dominate as a true freshman, you know, mm-hmm. whatever he was, 17 years old, 18 years old, just dominating people. And then, you know, the, the last two years, we barely saw him. You know, it was like two, three games last year and the season before it was like, you know, four or five or whatever. And that Purdue offense, it was basically all the manufactured touches to, to, to Rondale. And so it became a lot easier, obviously, to, to, to stop whatever. But, the, the yeah. you know, when I'm thinking about one of those two guys, as far as who has better odds of, of developing a game where they can catch the ball in the intermediate sector, if not the deep sector eventually, Rondale Moore, I think, has much higher odds of, of getting there. Yeah, I agree. We we here at the Indropolis love Rondell Moore, but we do have some guys that went to Purdue, so they're definitely homers, uh, but they've sold us on, on Rondell Moore uh, very much throughout the all offseason. So, um, you know, tags going back to, to the Ravens picks, you know, with Rashad Bateman, um, like another player that we all kind of love um, and, and, you know, mean well i guess should we love the pick as well should we love the landing spot as much um does it seem like it's uh, uh almost you know like a kind of prove it year for lamar like that's been thrown around a little bit or they're just really trying to give him all the pieces like you said he's a great compliment uh to marquise brown um you know but what should be our outlook for at least this first year with rashad Bateman, given how the ravens offensive scheme runs where it's you know run heavy well, I mean, it's worrisome for, from a landing spot for fantasy. Uh, you look at it and you say they, they've targeted their wide receivers 393 times over the last two years combined. There were four teams that targeted their wide receivers more in 2020 alone. So you can say, okay, well, even if you project like a 20% increase in their pass attempts, you know, they're not all going to wide receiver. And you break it down like that. You say Rashad Bateman, the best case scenario, what's he looking at? 80 to 100 targets? That's not a surefire top 24 wide receiver at any point. So Lamar Jackson figures to be the quarterback for a long time. And rightfully so. I just think that the the drafting of the wide receiver was important uh, from a team standpoint because you need to become more well-rounded as a team. You know, if you fall behind in a game or if teams just Basically, they're going to shove nine men in the box and say, you know, force your guys in the outside to beat us. Rashad Bateman can do that with his route running. Reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen. But again, landing spot absolutely matters in the NFL and in terms yeah. of fantasy. So uh, it wasn't great from that standpoint. Uh, I love Thor. Everything you said about uh, Tony and, and that pick, I get a lot of heat for giving the Giants a B minus. And I thought that I was being somewhat <laughs> generous with that because that's the most important pick, right? They get kudos for trading back. They should have traded back again if they really wanted Tony, because even if they miss out on him, you have Rondell Moore, you have Elijah right. Moore. Rashad Bateman was still on the board when they took right. him. I, I really, I don't know if they, they're a better football team with Tony on there, to be honest, because I thought 
once they signed Kenny Galladay, they were going to move Sterling Shepard back into the slot where he had tremendous success earlier in his career. And you already had somewhat of a feel it's uh, stretching presence and Darius Slayton it, mm-hmm. you have your tight ends you have Saquon coming back he's going to demand targets so I didn't get that pick either I am with you 100 um, percent I was shocked that they didn't take an offensive lineman really at all in the draft so uh, but in the end it's like these are all the things that we have to figure out now the fact that he got first round draft equity they're going to find a way to put him on the field. right that yeah. means one of Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton is going to the bench because they're not they don't run a whole bunch of four wide receiver sets so I'm guessing it's Shepard, which kind of makes no sense to me because I think Shepard is better than Slayton. I think he's mm-hmm. better than Tony. But so, so again, I don't think their team got very much better. But uh, from the Baltimore standpoint, you should be happy as a fan of that team. But from a fantasy standpoint, I moved Bateman down in my dynasty rankings because of this, because, because we don't know how long it's going to be a run first offense. But I would assume it's going to be for a couple of years. And in dynasty, we don't have more than a couple of years. Right. Yeah. And you're absolutely right with, with landing spot and, you know, almost, you know, there's certain prospects, right. That it's kind of like landing spot proof, you know, no matter where they're going to go, they're going to, they're going to dominate, do well. And and Bateman, you know, kind of has that profile where he really is that good. Um, But you do have to consider the scheme and then what's going to happen, how many targets he's actually going to see per game. I mean, even just overall with the offense, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm always a little bit lower on, on Ravens running backs too, because even though, though they are run heavy, like, traditionally they only get like 16 touches per game or something like that over the last like four years with Harbaugh. So, um, but you know, one thing with this draft class too, that I noticed and kind of laughed at looking as I started to dive into it was just how there's so many smaller guys in this draft class, right? There's so many like slot receiver types, gadget receiver types. Um, do you think because of that, that some of these guys like Kadarius Tony kind of got elevated because, you know, with the copycat league, with the NFL, everyone's trying to find the next Tyreek Hill and find more speed and find ways to get uh, guys in space and manufacture them targets. Um, do you think that that contributed to some of these guys rising up in uh, the draft? Yeah, I mean, teams have always loved speed. You go back to Tavon Austin, you go back to John Ross. And in, yeah. in this draft, in this draft in particular, the NFL, they're going, it's a lot more three wide sets. Three wide is basically the base formation now. Uh, teams going more to four wide. I think the Cardinals run at 20%. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll run at 15%. Uh, so you're you're finding teams running more and more, where it's like wide receivers are going to matter, especially the guys that are of the slot variety that have speed. That doesn't make it a good pick. I mean, you look at Anthony Schwartz in the third round. That was a terrible round. That's the only reason I didn't give the Browns the best draft grade. Outside of that, I thought they crushed it, uh, but that was a terrible pick in the third round. There was still phenomenal talent in the board. Um, you look at Tutu Atwell again, a guy going in the second round, a guy that weighs 100. The last weigh in he had was 149 pounds. It's not great. Yeah. Um, but you're always going to find teams that fall in love with that speed. And I mean, if we look at it on a grand scheme of things, most of the time it just doesn't pan out. Um, but you're always going to find NFL teams that are going to, they just fall in love with that athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. I was laughing the other day because uh, my neighbor kid down the street, who I think is, 13 is about to be a freshman. He weighs and is taller than Tutu Atwell. So we were just laughing about that. Like, God, this guy is so small. Um, and, and it, you know, he's not like Rondell Moore is small, but he's thick too. And he has a lot of strength. Like, there's a difference there. Like, Kadarius Tony is like small, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it was an interesting draft class. Um, some of the guys that were bigger kind of caught my eye more because they were like that more traditional prototypical size um, because there were just so many slots uh, and uh, receivers coming in. Um, one and then and, and and you guys are really cool for for not totally just dumping on on the Raiders. So I appreciate that, but I do have to ask: is part of the uh, is part of the grade uh, because of they should have basically just swapped pick one and two, uh, or is it because they drafted three safeties in the draft? Are you asking me? 
Uh, I'm gonna ask both of you, but let's start go with ahead, Thor. Thor. You, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was part of it. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's it's a confluence of mistakes, right? Like um, taking Leatherwood at 17. That that's an enormous mistake in a vacuum. And then the idea that uh, so you know what ends up happening was the Jets trade to 14 with the Vikings, and you know as a Vikings fan, I was like, well, we got really good value, but now you're gonna lose yeah. Derisaw. You know, like, and then so the Jets take Vera Tucker, which she expected. Then you had Mac Jones, Avon Collins, and then the Raiders are there. Christian Derrissaw is followed into your lap. Like, it's Jose at a time in Las yeah. Vegas. And they take Alex Leatherwood, apparently, because Tom Cable said he was his favorite player in the draft or something. Um, even if you liked Leatherwood, you could have traded down uh, probably into the second round and and, and still gotten him. So, so like, the, the Mayock decisions that I've criticized, most of them coming in the first round in the past, this year it was basically all of them. But mm-hmm. w- one of the big problems he has in the first round is he zeroes in on guys. And, uh, and, and, and like, whereas in the past with his NFL.com work, like, Mayock, I don't want to get to it, Mayock, but like in the in the past, he had a couple wonky decisions. Let, let, let's just say, as far as his draft rankings, one that comes to mind: um, the guy that was picked uh, one spot behind uh, John Ross, the aforementioned John Ross, was was Pat Mahomes. If you guys recall his his draft season, uh, Deshaun Kaiser was in that class as well, as mm-hmm. was Trubisky and as was Watson. Mike Mayock was extremely vocal throughout the process that Deshaun Kaiser was the best quarterback in that class. Something very interesting happened in Mike Mayock's last um, update, you know, that was like 10 days before the draft started. Deshaun Kaiser went from like one to either three or four. You know, it's like, so like he, he dropped all the way, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Watson was then at realized. two and Mahomes at three. Yeah. I, I think with his job there, when he would come up with his draft rankings, he was willing at least to hear the other people be like, Mike, you're wrong about this. You're wrong yeah. about this, Mike. Your last update's coming up. I promise you, Mike, put Mahomes and Watson ahead of Kaiser or you're going to get bucked the rest of your life. And he would listen to them. Whereas in this case, I think it's he's got a, a lot of yes men around him and he's sort of looking for reasons you know, to, to get pushed into something as opposed to out of it. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, the anecdote about Tom Cable coming up to him and being like oh i've been in on this kid for months he's my favorite player in the draft blah 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 as justification for this pick just smacks so much of that to me yeah well i mean i guess to to play devil's advocate i mean he did say it about colton miller too i mean and but still reached for colton miller colton miller turned out to be a very good left tackle um that still doesn't you know justify where you ended up taking them so i totally get that totally it's about the board right like you you could have traded down they were right about Miller and I was wrong. You know, I'll, I'll say that, but they could have traded down for that one. And Leatherwood is even more so. I, I don't know. Like they were trying to claim afterwards that like, oh, there's other teams that would have taken yeah. him in the first round. Right. That reminded that, me yeah. a lot of, of when John Schneider was like after the Rashad Petty pick, whatever it is like, what the hell did you just do? And he comes to the podium <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I've never had this happen with another pick before, but there was multiple teams calling me offering first round picks for Rashawn Penny. Everyone in the league wanted Rashawn Penny where I took him. It was genius. You know, it's yeah. like with, with the, with the executive start talking like that, it's like they know they effed up right something happened yeah 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 and and you know i i love the the the, the second round pick um i think tags you said so too on on uh, the fancy pros podcast um but the rest of it yeah you know i think they're just trying to trying to fill a need of of lack of dbs and and just trying to find someone that can help them not get be deep and i think they're just kind of throwing everything at it but i had to ask because you guys are both on the show i had to ask we've talked about it uh the past few years with tags uh we'll probably get into the bears a little bit later um but you know i i had to ask about the raiders especially because thor was here because you know, i just kind of had to um infamous on raiders twitter uh mr <laughs> thor nice <Nystrom> over here <laughs> by the way don't tags don't ever go to raiders twitter it's terrible it's just a cesspool like, like it's, it's way worse than fantasy twitter 
deserve it. Don't do it. I did it. <laughs> to be fair, I made another mistake. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, just give them an A every year. I think most teams they have that that there's that group of people that will attack you if you say anything bad about their team. Um, and Raiders fans have definitely been there with me at times, but I've been very critical of the moves that they've made in terms of like even John Gruden as a coach in terms of like where he's at in his life. Uh, you know, you talked about Mayock, you know, un- unwilling to budge now. I think Gruden's that guy. I think he's that that older man that that is unwilling to change his ways. That says, hey, I do things my way, and if you don't like it, we're going to kick you out of town. And I think we saw that. You know, Trayvon mm-hmm. Marig was the best pick in the draft, and it's because they he fell to them because it's some health concerns it was yeah. the same thing that happened with maurice hearse just a couple of years yes. ago and then yep. we find out he he's cut this offseason we find out their offensive linemen they're dropping them it's because they don't fit that way and they're ruining this football team and i really truly believe that drafting three safeties obviously diablo they're talking about moving him to linebacker but right. this team is just it's poorly run and unfortunately um I can appreciate having conviction in your guys. Like if they like Leatherwood, that's fine. If you liked him over, um, you know, Darasaw, that's fine. Okay, trade back. Again, Thor, yeah. it's like the idea in fantasy football. Like I liked Calvin Ridley a whole lot last year. I was telling people, I love Calvin Ridley. That doesn't mean I'm going to go and draft him in the second round. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's just like, it's playing around. It's understanding the board and, and maneuvering it, manipulating it, do whatever you have to do to make your – your team better and they're just taking the guys they like and if, if they bust they bust and if not you have nothing to fall back on so yeah i could appreciate you know having you know conviction in guys but you know the best pick they made in this draft was because of out of sheer luck just yeah just well, some, like golf right sometimes it's better to be lucky than good and hopefully that that helps with the raiders um but yeah you know even with the with, with divine uh moving him from safety to 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 linebacker i mean that's just that's what they did with tanner muse like last year like they tried to do the exact same thing so yeah i you know it, it's the, at least they're understanding where their issue is at least on the offensive defense side of the ball um how they go about fixing it is, is yet to be seen but you know this isn't a raiders podcast it's a fancy football podcast so so let's keep it moving um and let's get into a little bit of day one with some of these fancy relevant players uh we had five quarterbacks taken five wide receivers taking two running backs and the best tight end we may have ever seen uh, as a prospect. But of these five quarterbacks, um, you know, not necessarily to go through rankings, but but who kind of landed in your in your your favorite landing spot, and and who do you think might be a bust out of these top five? If you think there is a bust of these top five, for me, yeah, I, sure, yeah. So I, you know, for me, Mac Jones, but I don't, I wouldn't even say bust. So I, I can't, you know, because like I think that he's going to be a solid system quarterback. So like, and and you know, if as far as looking at the other guys, honestly, the the guy with the highest bust profile is Zach Wilson. You know, to, to and to me, it's little decent ways above some of these other guys. I don't see the way that Mac Jones fails. He's also never going to be a star. So that's sort of what you're buying there. Uh, I think that that Zach Wilson's bust or risk profile is is even bigger than Trey Lance's, and so I was I was a little bit surprised by the way that the process went with that. If there was one guy that I would expect to to not live up to the draft slot, it would be Wilson. And is part of that just where he went at two, or just overall as a prospect? Because I mean, obviously the Jets were super high on him to take him number two. Yeah, so um, it's well, it's the entire thing. Um, the biggest thing is that I've never seen Zach Wilson once play good against a good defense. It mm-hmm. is yet to happen. The first time yeah. he beats an NFL defense or hell throws for over 200 yards against an NFL. That's going to be the first solid performance that he has had in his life against a good defense. You can look at his splits in college, you know, the bad teams against the good teams, his, his stats, the discrepancy between them, it, it's breathtaking. 
Um, yeah. And so like the transition, you know, I think is, is a little bit more precarious with, with the higher risk thing. The other thing is he's going to have to change the way that he plays football in the NFL because at, at you know, with the um, BYU last season, it was a lot of this zone read stuff and then off of play action, throwing deep. That's what he loves to do. But last season, BYU played one of the worst schedules of the day. Should. It was number 89 SP plus, and that even flattered him because UCF in the bowl game, uh, uh, Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson both opted out of that game. And so they, they were against a bunch of these crappy uh, defensive, crappy teams. Right. And, and Zach Wilson was playing behind one of the five best offensive lines in all of college football. Not the, you know, don't break them up in all of college football. Yeah. Chris, Brady Christensen, his left tackle, broke Penny Sewell's record from the year before for highest graded PFF season of all time for an offensive lineman. When, when you were wondering, like, how does Zach Wilson have 10 seconds back there every <laughs> single time? You know, like, why when he gives the back to his defense hunting for these you know, these things off of play action, why did no one ever blast him and get through? It's, it's because they played no NFL defenders and, and he was playing behind a, a whole bunch of NFL guys. So because of those two reasons, I Again, I just think the transition is going to be slower than other people think, and I think that by definition makes his his risk profile higher. Seeing as yeah. though the thing that we're expecting him to do, we've literally never seen it once. Right? Yeah, and I and I completely agree with you. That's who I think is going to be the best. Um, I guess I'm just trying to figure out then, you know, with with that potential, you know, wide range of outcomes that he has, you know, why why the Jets decided to go with them at two as opposed to any of these other quarterbacks. Well, I think because it was the easy pick. You know, I, I I don't think they ever even rethought it, right? Like the, the Trey Lance thing, that takes some enormous balls, mm -hmm. taking yeah. them in the top three. And of course, the the, the trade made it even more so. Right. But the, the, the Jets taking Zach Wilson for the next three butts, four butts, five butts, Douglas and those guys, they're getting celebrated. It's like, oh mm -hmm. my gosh, they found, you know, they, they found our savior, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if it had been Lance, I think you would have seen a lot of the New York papers like, what, we're taking this FCS kid. So he started 17 times in the FCS. I, right. I think it would have been a, a totally different thing. And I think sometimes as fans, we we discount that like, you know, when, when there's a huge decision, that's easier, like the, the, the way that that sort of unconsciously is going to get into the evaluator's head and sort of seep in. And, and one other point I'll make on this, people keep asking, you know, why, why did San Francisco do the smoke screen? Why did this, you know, there's yeah. only one, uh, there's only one explanation that makes sense. So I just think it's the truth. It's that the, the guy that they used to work with last year, Mr. Sala, he's with the jets they, they move up now. So, so it's like Shanahan, who's probably the, the smartest offensive guy that Sala's ever worked with. And then, Lich, who's another sharp guy, and now they're right behind the Jets. The Jets are going to take right. the quarterback, and I guarantee you there was a discussion with Shanahan and Lynch before that. Like, oh, oh man, like Salah's going to get super suspicious, like yeah. of us back there. Like Salah's going to, you know, try to think like, who do we like? So we should probably just, oh, I don't know, call up Adam Schefter. Let's start with that, and we'll start backfilling that for him. We're going yes. to say Mac Jones. I, I bet they yeah. were giggling their asses off. <laughs> They didn't want the Jets to take Trey Lance. It, it's yeah. so clear that yeah. Trey Lance was higher on the the, the 49ers yeah. board than Zach Wilson, and I don't know that it was particularly close. You wouldn't have yeah. gone to those lengths otherwise. They did not want Zach Wilson. They wanted Trey Lance. I love it. And, and instead of trying to like move up again, or, or maybe they did try to trade with the Jets, it didn't work out. Um, yeah, they just moved to where they're at and, and just started messing with them. Yeah, I, I, I could totally see uh, them just pulling it, it off. It was yeah, brilliant. It was the the it was media took move. it hook, line, and sinker. I, I yeah. just spent two months telling people, Mac Jones is not a top three talent. He's not a top five. He's not a top ten. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah, and, well, and then Mac Jones ends up just going. I mean, once you remove I mean, that was the, perfect, though. all the smoke, you know, and, and all that stuff, Mac Jones went exactly where he should have gone. Yes. You know? It, it, the, the other spot. stuff was just BS, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the uh, Patriots not having to move up, uh, do anything, and just have them drop into the laps. Um 
maybe the next Tom Brady we'll see. I don't know, just because he's out of shape. I think that's the only thing I could think that's like similar. Um, but he has uh, he has some skills that he's played. Tommy, against. Tommy, j- just talent. to give t- Tommy, just to give your audience some context for those numbers I was talking about with Wilson. Do you mind if I yeah. cite him really quick? Go ahead. Okay, so this is Zach Wilson in his college career against Power 5 non-bowl teams, Power 5 teams that did not make a bowl game, and group of five teams that finished with under nine wins in the season that he played them. He went 17-2 and in 19 games with a 70.6 completion percentage and a 49-6 TD to INT ratio. Zach Wilson in 10 games against Power 5 bowl teams and group of five uh, teams that finished with nine uh, wins or more in 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 the season that they played them. In those ten games, he went two and eight with a sixty two point eight uh, completion percentage in the seven to die TDIT, which I might have mentioned before. But it was it was three. It was a drop wow. of three on 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 the yards per attempt. Um, the the touchdown percentage went from nine point five to two point two, and the interception rate went from one point two to two point nine. So I just wanted to clean that up oh, with wow. the, the rest of that context. Yeah, it's breathtaking. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't seen a top quarterback prospect that people loved with the, that big of a discrepancy between. Between the two buckets since Drew Locke. Wild. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll have to see. You know, welcome to the NFL moment for for this kid coming in and having to start right away. I mean, that's the other great thing I think about Trey Lance's situation. He doesn't have to start right away. They still have Jimmy G there. They can work it in. Um, tags uh, is is you know as a as a Bears fan, are you loving this Fields pick or who's your top uh, quarterback from this uh, class? You know, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is obviously the number one for me, uh, but I never understood why Zach Wilson was like just automatically assigned to the number two pick. The Jets yeah, never get came it. forward and just said, hey, we're going to take Zach Wilson. It was just almost like I almost feel like the media shoved that into their face to say, if you don't take Zach Wilson, you're an idiot. When in reality, I think Thor's right in terms of like the, the one with the bus potential. I think we would be talking about Trey Lance in the same way if he didn't go to Kyle Shanahan, because Kyle Shanahan in terms of like he's like a Sean Payton type play caller. Mm-hmm. Where really, you don't really worry about them. You know, what's the ceiling? That's what we're looking for. At Trey Lance, when a guy he's only had 288 pass attempts in college. So he has bus potential if he went to right. a different team. But now that he's gone to Kyle Shanahan, who we, who knows to run an NFL offense, what it takes, we have faith in that. Whereas Zach Wilson, there's so much projecting here. You're talking about going to a team with a first-time NFL head coach, you know, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Is does it, Just because they came from Kyle Shanahan, it does not mean they are Kyle Shanahan. Right. Like, they only <laughs> learned that with Sean McVay's coordinators and head coaches. Right. You know, it's like these things happen. Um, so playing at BYU, not playing the best of competition, having a one-year sample size of dominant play. Zach Wilson is the most volatile prospect here, 100%. And I never understood, again, why he was being just automatically assigned to the pick number two when Justin Fields really should have been in that conversation. I don't think that any of them come without scars on their name. Like, there's they all have some question marks to their game. You know, Justin Fields has a bit of tunnel vision. He becomes too much of a runner when he feels pressure rather than keeping his eyes on the field like a Russell Wilson. You know, Trey Lance... He only played one game in 2020 and it was not good. It was bad, yeah. actually. I would, I, I, that he, so basically, when the NFL season ends, that's when I sit down and I start watching all this college because during the season, I'm just so busy with the primer and all that stuff where it's like college takes a backseat until after the, after, until the playoffs start. So right. I basically sat down. The first game I watched at Trey Lance was the 2020 game and I sent Yates a message. Yates is a big fan of him. And I said, I don't know what the hell I'm watching. Like, this is the, <laughs> this is the guy you tell me that's the, that might be better than Trevor Lawrence. And he's like, well, the 2020 game wasn't great. Go back to 2019. And if you just watched 2019, Trey Lance would have been a top five pick hands down. Yes. It was a, such a small sample size. Again, another small school 
but going going to Shanahan is going to make his transition that much smoother. Whereas Zach Wilson, there's just a whole bunch of stuff to go around in there that you really just don't know how to unpackage. So yes, he would be the one with the highest bust potential. Um, Josh McDaniels, which with Mac Jones gets to go back and run the similar style offense that he did with Tom Brady, a very immobile quarterback that you know you just want dead on accuracy i don't know if they have the playmakers around him to succeed right now but again that team's in kind of rebuild mode which is weird um but yeah i i I agree with thor here on zach wilson being the most volatile in terms of projecting to the nfl but in thor to to zach wilson's defense and i always try and play that side because again i had him as my number four quarterback in this class same but same. So when he played the better competition, he did play worse. But also the, the 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 talent he had at pass catcher wasn't nearly as good as maybe some other teams. And on top of that, Josh Allen had similar numbers, and I that was a big miss for me in that draft class. I didn't like Josh Allen. I feel like you don't get accuracy as you get older. It's either you have or you don't. Uh, but Josh Allen's taken major steps, and I know he's an outlier, but it's almost like trying to say Josh Allen was pretty bad against good football teams in college. So. I, I try and keep an open mind to that, but I'm but I'm with you in the most part for Zach Wilson saying that he's just not a can't miss prospect. There's two things I'd say to that. Number one, with Josh Allen at Wyoming, especially his last season, if you look, he got injured in like two or three of the games or something like that at the very end. Before that, Wyoming had like the the 118th SP plus offense or like the 125th. Like they were really, really bad. But with Josh Allen was out, they had the most unwatchable just God, you know, like Doug, yeah. whatever, like offense that I had ever seen in the FBS. It was like that in, in the water boy when the team is just kneeling the ball every time they have it. <laughs> yeah. That was basically Wyoming because on that team they had like Logan Wilson and Andrew Wingard stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so, so, so that you know, I, I just wanted to to because like as far as the context of like you know. I, I love to see the context, you know, and, and when it craters a player's play with just one factor involved, that's when I, I start getting scared. In in Allen's case, the reason that I rated him as a first rounder this year or, or that year or whatever, yeah. it was, yeah, the tools. But, I, you know, I, I was able to sort of mitigate some of the other stuff with the accuracy issues and, and stuff like that just by seeing the, the precipitous drop of his what was a really, really bad offense became just mm-hmm. like a, a sub FCS <laughs> level offense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he had, you know, the, you got the guy's huge, you know, he has all those like physical tangibles that you want, you know, for NFL style quarterback and huge arm. And, and yeah, look, we're seeing that, uh, you know, exactly what some people predicted uh, come to fruition with Josh Allen. He's that good. Um, with some of these receivers, we already kind of touched on Jamar Chase, uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, but what do you guys think about the rest of them from a fantasy perspective? Uh, tags, when we start with you, um, with, with some of these first round guys, um, who do you think? Um, well, uh, is there anyone that landed a spot that you hate? You know, because I think they all kind of landed in some pretty decent uh, spots for opportunity. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, with Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. I, I like Devontae Smith a little bit more than Jalen Waddell right now. And I think because Devontae Smith, he's going to go right into an offense to be the number one. Like, there's no question about that. You know, there's no more two tight end sets there. I don't I don't know yeah. why keep, people keep bringing that up. Like, I remember when people were saying, oh, the Eagles are going to draft Kyle Pitts. He's going to be the new Zach Ertz. I'm like, it's not the same offense, guys. It's a completely different offense. Why are we still talking about that? So we don't know what they're going to do in terms of personnel, but we do know they were lacking a go-to receiver. Jalen Rager was a good receiver in college. I liked Rager coming yes. out, but he was never meant to be that guy Devonte smith is that guy when he's healthy and you draft yep. him and if he's healthy you're going to be psyched to have him on your roster like he's he's a baller jalen waddle his is a little bit more projecting for me um just because he's going to a team with Devonte parker playing that x receiver role he's got will fuller on the other side of the field who's 
only on a one-year deal, which whatever, but to a tongue of Eloa. So if you put Jalen Watt on the slot, which I expect them to do mm-hmm. uh, from the get-go, that's the best move that they can do because Tua tongue of Eloa last year talked about, I'm having issues in the NFL because players aren't separating as much as they did in Alabama. Well, no crap. Mm. Well. You're, you're in the NFL. Like, you're kind of so basically what my Your window is like this is, big in the NFL. Like, we exactly. So it's like, what they, did is they said, we're going to get you Will Fuller. We're going to get you Jalen Waddle. We're going to get you upgrades on the offensive line. And we're going to say you have zero excuses moving forward. Now, Jalen Waddle is probably the best separator on the roster, uh, mm-hmm. especially if they're going to line him up in the slot because, you know, he's going to face nickel cornerbacks, safeties, maybe even a linebacker sometimes. And it's like Jalen Waddle has the speed and the agility to get open, to separate. Him and Tua Tagovailoa have chemistry together. But again, it's more finding that consistent targets. I think Devontae Smith is more in line for a consistent target share, whereas Jalen yeah. Waddle, he's going to have those splash weeks for sure because he's getting those higher vo- their higher efficiency targets in the slot, getting them from Tua, having that you know that, that chemistry with him right out of the gate. So I have Devontae Smith a little bit higher than Jalen Waddle, but in the end, Waddle should be a baller and he should benefit from where he's being played with the Dolphins. Yeah, and if Preston Williams comes back fully healthy, I mean, he's still a really good player there too uh, in Miami. So it's, yeah, he's definitely going to have a competition for targets. But um, yeah, Jalen Waddle in the, in the slot, I think that's a great spot. I mean, I think if anyone, you know, is getting comped, like I said, uh, we're trying to find the next Tyreek Hill, you know, he's, he's definitely one of the closest guys to it. Um, and then for the running backs, you know, we had two running backs go in the first round. So that was kind of cool because you don't always see that. Um, but but, you know, I think where Najee Harris, a lot of people expected that. Um, some people didn't like the Travis Etienne uh, landing spot. Thor, how, how do you feel about those two running backs um, just from a scheme fit and then, you know, from fantasy perspective? Yeah, the Harris was a great fit for the Steelers. Yeah, I love you know, that. I, I, I got to, you know, do my analytics thing of it. You know, it, it, they picked up about 10 spots over 15 spots where I would have, but perfect fit for them. I mean, it's like the Steelers running back created at a, you know, at a lab or whatever. It'd be Dodger totally. Harris. So I, th- that one's harder for me to disagree, with, especially because I knew the team was on him from the jump and it makes a ton of sense. So. You know, I'll just toss the caveat out, but I'm, that's not one that I, I nitpick a ton. ETN more so, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it that seemed to kick off like the Jaguars, like just grabbing shiny objects, you know, for the rest of the draft, like after Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence is obviously like the obvious pick, but then like after that, they were just picking guys based on their recruiting rankings or, oh, hey, he played he played with Lawrence. Let's take him in the first round. And, you know, Walker Little was a ridiculous second round pick. And, uh, you know, some of these other guys, just the, the, the size speed thing, Tyson Campbell, stuff like that. Uh, but with, with ETN, I, I thought, number one, it was a reach. Number two, his skill set does not justify there. Najee Harris is, you can at least make the argument for, because when you have Najee Harris, he becomes a second receiving tight end on the field at all times, or yes. a third, if, if you already have two. That's how yep. good of a receiver that guy is. He's 6'3", with the wingspan of like a 6'5 guy, and he don't drop anything, and he can actually run routes. Um, and so you have that, and then, of course, he becomes the berserker after he catches the ball. Uh, with, with ETN, you saw ETN's receiving go up You know, the, the, the past couple of years, and he had made a concerted effort about, about that because earlier in his career, he was unplayable on third downs, couldn't mm-hmm. pass block, and also couldn't catch. Was very honest about that. 2019, he got better. And then statistically in 2020, it looks great. It's like, oh, you know, this guy's on the precipice of being Elvin Kamara. You know, I, I, hope, mm-hmm. I heard a lot of Elvin Kamara, Elvin Kamara. To, to me, he's he's like 90% of Reggie Bush. Not Elvin Kamara. They're not the same kind of player. It's it's the straight line explosion thing. Yeah. 
you know, and 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 with 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 ETM, what you'll notice, you know, you go you go and watch his tapes of his, of his 2020 receiving. I suppose you can look at 2019 if you want. It's a lot of dump off stuff. When ET he piles up the yards and he got the targets, of course, because ETN only came back to school because he wanted to, you know, show the NFL like I can catch the ball. Uh, but like the, the the you know the the yards that he's getting, it's not because he's running like you know these yeah. super cool wheel routes out of the backfield and like all this sort of stuff and shaking people and he's catching the ball 10 yards downfield. It, it, it was just all the dump off stuff and then ETN does what he does which is like i'm straight line to the goal line as fast as i can right you know it's just like we're going to punch the accelerator now in the nfl that you know the receiving aspect of that does not translate one to one in the same way for instance that elvin kamara is dead yeah and and i love the the example you gave there with reggie bush um someone who i watched a ton so it's like oh yeah when you said that like yep that's exactly what travis does that's who he is before because like you said it's like 80 90 of reggie it's not the full thing so i definitely did comp him there but like that that makes sense with the style of play and then we saw how it didn't really work out in the nfl for reggie bush because of that same style of play so yeah with with Etienne there um I'm hoping it works out. I mean, but the, again, you still have James Robinson. And, you know, if you're just looking at draft capital, then obviously Etienne's by far the better player. But, um, you know, we, we've seen what James Robinson can do. And, and I don't think it's as clear cut as that. Um, do, you know, if tags, are you still seeing a fantasy relevancy for uh, for James Robinson moving forward? Or you think Etienne's just totally going to eat into that? Or, or are they just going to kind of, uh, um, you know, eat off each other and, and kind of make it worse for each other? It's going to be difficult for um, ETN or James Robinson to be a stud. You know, I, I think they're going to involve both of them. Hearing Urban Meyer talk about, you know, Carlos Hyde and <laughs> and James Robinson taking the one-two down work and having ETN on the field for third downs, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You don't draft a third down back in the first round. Um, they took a football player that I do believe he's going to walk into a role, some some comfort. Maybe they talked to mm-hmm. Maybe they, maybe they talked to Trevor Lawrence and said, hey, what do you think about ETN? Do you think he would translate? You know, this is a non-teammate thing. This is your NFL career here we're talking about. Who do you want? And I, I think they, they may have had some input there. Uh, and it is an offense that's going to be a lot more productive moving forward. So even though James Robinson produced last year, it wasn't a very friendly situation. And the only reason he did produce that way is because he was getting everything. Like, you never see a yeah. running back get 95% of the touches in a game. But that was happening every week. Obviously not going to happen. You see him, you see him wear down at the end of the season, and that's why he missed the last couple games. Etn, what I will say about this is that running backs, you know, over the last eight years, I do a study basically based on draft capital and where a player was drafted, and running backs in the last eight years that have been drafted in the first round, every single running back except for Rashad Penny has totaled at least 197 touches. So right nice. out of the gate, Travis Etn is going to get 15 touches per game, uh, regardless of what Urban Meyer says. You don't draft him there if you're not going to utilize him. When, right. honestly, when when a running back walks into the league, they're in their prime. Don't wait for them to develop anymore. It's like you got him on the rookie contract. This is you drafted him there for a reason. You're pay, you're overpaying a running back right now on his rookie contract. Use him up because you're probably not going to end up resigning him. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think our own Jack Falcon said it is like you know with the Jaguars it's just like they had like too much money. You know, someone like too much money and too much draft capital and just started buying all the shiny stuff because it looked great and let's add it to the team. Um, and then I also joked that it just seemed like you know all the quarterbacks like they just seem like the the GMs asked the quarterbacks, like, who do you want to draft? You know, because we saw all these quarterbacks and wide receivers reunited and Etienne and uh, and Lawrence too. So it's like, 
you know, it's just like, yeah, I want that guy because I like that guy. I played with him, and who cares if he fits, and who cares if it's the right spot to grab him? Like, I just want my guy. So, um, yeah, the the first round, uh, day one, was definitely really interesting. Um, in, in a lot of ways, like like Thor was saying, kind of uh, chalk with with who we thought would go where. Um, and then, yeah, like I think as we moved along in the draft, um, definitely some things that people didn't expect, um, you know, Raiders being one of them. And, and like we just said with Etienne there. Um, but before we get to day two, uh, talking about those picks, uh, let's just stop one quick second for a quick uh, ad read from our sponsor. Uh, Viridian Global. Uh, there is no off season for style and comfort with over 600 plus fantasy football t-shirts, hats, and hoodies to choose from. You can find a design that fits you. Each piece of apparel has been tried and tested with great brands such as Champion, Next Level, and FlexFit from Air IU to Zero Running Back. And with over 25 fantasy brands as part of the football collective, find your fit today at ViridianGlobal.com. Sponsoring the Undroppables and giving us all our cool streetwear. Uh, so day two, um, yeah, you know, this typically is when you see a lot of uh, a lot of the wide receivers and running backs go. And, and so we definitely had um, some some really interesting picks here uh, in day two, rounds two and three. Um, Thor, uh, you know, one of the guys that was high on my list was Javante Williams laying in Denver. Uh, how do you like that landing spot for him? Um, and and what, is, what do you think it means for Melvin Gordon? Uh, <laughs> Melvin might want to start up, put that thing up for listing right now. Might want to call a realtor. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah I, monster.com. Put exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they keep him around next year as as the, uh, essentially a backup. I I don't see any reason that or like how he's going to beat out Javante Williams, and that one doesn't have to do with draft equity. Unlike mm-hmm. the ETN against Robinson thing, Javante Williams is a better player than he is, and I think that is going to become abundantly clear once they get to camp. And I I think Denver's already assuming that that was the case. Obviously, that's why you take Williams there. I I saw some people criticizing that that pick of like, oh, you know, Denver had bigger needs elsewhere or whatever. You already have the two running backs go above i have javante ranked as the number one running back in you know or in the draft or whatever like i had him ranked 27th or something like that the only you know first round guy i had a grade on which i absolutely stand by um and and so like that's where you had to take javante if you didn't take javante there someone else is going to take him you know like in that band of like the next five picks or whatever um and i I, I really like the the fit for him. Let's see what happens with the quarterback. But I'll tell you where Javante's value goes really up as a rookie if they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah. Yeah, I could see. <laughs> then we're wow. talking touchdown city, baby. No yeah. one can tackle that kid. No one yeah. can tackle. He he shattered PFF's record last year for most broken tackles per attempt. No one is even remotely close. And his, his game has gone up, 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 up. He, it, it was a mm-hmm. linear progression. You know, those three years, boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah. He's just getting better and better. And I, I think he's, you know, tags mentioned like you, that you pick them when they're in their, they're in their prime already when they're entering your, your team. That kid is right yeah, entering that thing, you know, yeah, he's, he's right primed. on the precipice of that. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's ready to go. And, you know, with the draft class that wasn't super deep, um, had some great guys at the top. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of guys like Javante Williams. I mean, in my opinion, he was the most just pure running back, you know, you, that, that kind of just has everything you want. He's not the speed guy like Etienne. And he's not, you know, this, this huge, you know, beast of a guy like, uh, like Najee Harris, that like he's just that perfect package that you want. Um, and, and I love that spot for them. And, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I have Melvin Gordon in a few places on my dynasty leagues, and I'm, I'm just trying to get Javante for if I can just to <laughs> switch that up because, you know, once Lindsay left, I mean, you, you, yeah, they had to get someone. Um, tags, uh, as far as uh, wide receivers that went in this round, at least round two, uh, we had Elijah Moore, um, who I liked, um, you know, and, and the, the, 
the other New York team, the Giants went the uh, with, with Tony, but I, you know, more was Elijah Moore, someone I had above Tony, kind of for the same similar type of reasons, um, but as a, just a much better player. Uh, do you like Elijah Moore uh, with the Jets there? I want to know what they're going to do with Jameson Crowder. Are they cutting him? Because it seemed like mm-hmm. it was a no-brainer that they would be cutting him, especially once they drafted Moore. Uh, they also signed Keelan Colon free agency, a guy who played the slot a little bit with Jacksonville. They have Corey mm-hmm. Davis. They have Denzel Mims. So it's like trying to figure out. Okay, how's he get on the field? Uh, Kadarius Tony being drafted at 20 overall. Again, that first round equity matters, but a wide receiver, it really doesn't matter if you fall from round one to round two in terms of opportunity right out of the gate. So I would expect uh, more to, to be the starting slot receiver for them. He's a natural football player. I don't think he played as fast as his uh, as his pro day number suggested. Uh, like yeah. I watched it on film and I was kind of like, he doesn't play that fast, but he's a natural football player and you can never go wrong with natural football players. It's like, it's like T Higgins the year before, right? T Higgins yes. is someone that he didn't wow athletically, but I was like, the dude just plays football. Like he's just a natural football player so i had zero issue with that pick it's just trying to figure out how they're going to work in that offense because again you know with salah there i i don't know if they're going to go towards more of like a, a base you know 12 personnel I, I don't know uh it's trying to figure out again there's projecting with that offense that we really don't know yet but i assume they're going to manufacture some touches uh one guy i want to bring up in this round and i'm sure it, it will a lot of people were anti Dwayne Eskridge, you know, going into the draft process because he was a late breakout and this and that. Uh, but when I watched his film, I saw a player that could actually do something uh, like, you know, he's a guy that can beat press coverage with speed. You know, most speed guys, you worry about them on the, on the line of scrimmage because they can't beat. Press. He beats press regularly. Uh, he yeah. did it because he used to be a cornerback, um, played a little bit of running back in high school. So he, he swapped around in positions. So there's like there's some projecting here and he played at a smaller school, late breakout age. So all those things. But the landing spot is like. The Seahawks had three picks in this draft, and the Seahawks are notorious for trading back to say, hey, we need more picks. We know the more pick we have, the better shot we have to hitting on players. So when they only had that second round pick and then the next pick was, what, fourth or fifth round, it was like, this is the only pick they're going to have. And if they're not trading back, they must really like the player. To see him go there, apparently the Packers were a team that was zeroing in on him as well, that they really liked him, uh, maybe if he fell to the end of the second round. Uh, but I love the landing spot. Anytime you can go play with Russell Wilson, you know, they have the new offense there, new offensive coordinator, going to run a whole lot more three wide receiver sets, apparently. I know they talked about running the football and this and that, and Pete Carroll wanted to go. I, you can't you can't remove Russell Wilson. You, you yeah. need that third wide receiver. You need someone to take the attention away from DK Metcalf and Eskridge, even if he doesn't explode, you know, fantasy wise, he's at least someone that can stretch the field for you that a defense has to account for. Um, I like that pick late and I moved him up my draft board quite a bit in terms of, you know, dynasty rankings just because of where he did go. Yeah. JB Cho knows, uh, had that question earlier. So I'm glad you came back to it about Eskridge and, you know, some people talked about, is he just kind of replacing David Moore? I mean, at least in a role kind of, he may be, but, um, you know, possibly even a better player than, than Moore was, or at least, uh, uh contributing a little bit more. Uh, another guy that you mentioned earlier tags, uh, that also went round two was Rondale Moore, the other Moore, uh, talking about all the Moors in, in the NFL, but uh, landed in a place that I thought was, was fantastic for him. Um, definitely a lot of wide receivers there too, but as far as the scheme uh, fit and what he can do um, in relation to the other wide receivers by playing a lot of underneath routes and getting the bail uh, open up in space. Um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, where, where do you have him projected um, uh, in, in the long run for like for Dynasty? I mean, I mean I'm curious as to what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do. Um, does he do it right? You know, when Christian Kirk came out of college, I thought that he was a natural slot receiver. Like mm-hmm. he would fit perfectly in Kingsbury's offense playing in the inside in the slot. And then it was like, all right, 
now that the offseason's gone, now Fitzgerald might retire, might not. We don't, we still don't know about Larry Fitzgerald, but I'm assuming now that he's not coming back. Um, so it's like, is Kirk going to move back inside because they signed AJ Green? Kingsbury keeps talking about AJ Green like he's yeah, why? He's still AJ Green. And unfortunately, <laughs> as much as I want that to be the case, he's not. Um, we saw that last year. He was the only one on the Bengals who wasn't doing anything with his targets. Um, I loved AJ Green for a long time, but that 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 ship has sailed. But mm-hmm. so now do they have Christian Kirk back in the slot and they do Rondale Moore in the slot? You know, Andy Isabella was a guy that he was good on a per target basis. Like he's actually performed pretty well when called upon, but it seems like the Cardinals just don't love him at all. Yeah. So Rondale Moore, I would expect to play right away after drafting him in the second round. But again, I think some of this hinges on the fact that we need Larry Fitzgerald to stay in retirement. Otherwise, if Fitzgerald comes back, he's only going to be on the field maybe 20% of the time. And that's being right. probably generous. Yeah, um, very so generous. Yeah, There's a lot of if ands, or buts with Rondale Moore. I think he's a good football player. And I think that he landed in the correct offense uh, in terms of manufacturing his touches, keeping him in the slot, moving him into the backfield. They don't have a whole lot of running back depth there. So um I like the landing spot for him, uh, but I worry about his production right out of the gate. Yeah. Thor, uh, one of my favorite uh, wide receivers in this class kind of went towards the end of the second round. Uh, That's Terrace Marshall to the Carolina Panthers. Um, Do you think he fits in there uh, with uh, with DJ Moore and another Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson? Yeah, it does for sure. We were talking about how the quarterbacks were all picking out their their running back and wide yeah. receiver teammates. Joe Brady, I guarantee it was like, Matt, come on, please take <laughs> Terrace, take him. He fell out of the first round because these guys are idiots just because of his leg thing. Like, um, and I think they even were able to do a trade down and and get extra yes. equity that yep. I remember. Wasn't it with um was it with Cleveland with the Koromo? Was that the trade? I think maybe. Anyway, I think um, check. Yeah, either way, it's a steal in the slot they got him. Plus, you you got the extra, you know, capital from trading down or whatever. I thought it was really brilliant. And you talk about a team that that you know really well read the board. You know, we we're talking about the importance of sort of reading the room earlier on. Uh Carolina did that really well, I thought again, you know, and like um again, knowing that the NFL was so reticent about those leg reports about Marshall that he was gonna fall a little bit further. And so they saved, you know, they saved the draft equity on that, plus they added more and got their guy anyway. He's a great fit. And you, you yeah. saw you saw with Brady, you know, back in the day, and that team he was only the third wide receiver, right? Because he was behind Chase and he was behind Justin Jefferson. And then Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards Lair, second half of the season was out there and everything. Uh, but like what Marshall's going to give you is, assuming the leg is okay, he's going to give you the burner downfield. And the Joe Brady offense needs that because it's all about spacing. You, you have the guys right. out in space. If you got a guy that can consistently win deep, especially if you got one on the other side that can consistently win deep, because now the defense is screwed. They can't move their guys up. Um, and so like that, you know, that's what he's going to give that offense is going to be a boundary receiver that gets deep and you have to respect him deep assuming the leg doesn't you know bite him or whatever but he's been playing through that the last couple years was awesome in 2019 on that team and then you know jefferson leaves chase opts out last year they sort of did with him uh what the the gophers did with Rashad bateman and i thought that marshall and bateman's uh both of their processes were a little bit unfair because people weren't baking in the context that both of those teams had shoved those those guys who were natural boundary receivers both teams shoved them into the slot last yeah. year LSU yeah. wanted LSU wanted Marshall closer to the, their crappy quarterbacks. They were tossing out these red shirts, right? <laughs> they couldn't throw the ball. They, you know, they wanted them in the slot right there. And then it was the same thing with the Gophers and their accuracy versus quarterback Tanner Morgan. They wanted yes. that good, you know, the guy that can, you know, we're going to give the most targets to this dude, so we want him closest. Well, both Babin and Marshall's games way better outside. They're natural boundary receivers. We were talking about it before how this class had so many slots, and it's like, oh, there's yeah. only a couple boundary receivers. Those right. are two of them. And both of their teams last year, just because of a, a lack of imagination 
motion by their offensive staff was like, you know, we got to move these guys in. But but go, going back to Marshall, just like as was the case with Bateman, he excelled in both roles. And you have to imagine if he had been on the boundary last year, with, you know, in a, mm-hmm. especially with a better quarterback, yeah. um, he would have played up even more. Right. Yeah. Someone that can get him the ball, give him the ball to the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and I felt that way even by watching like guys like Tyler Wallace, like it's just like they weren't used properly uh, at their college level. Um, and so I'm really excited to see if these guys get in the open with, uh, you know, better coaching and better schemes, you know, what they can really do, especially for some of these top end guys like Terrace Marshall, like you're saying, you know, if they're just kind of like, Somewhat wasted his talent. Um, but, you know, as we move into to round three, um, we saw a couple more quarterbacks go. And I want to get you guys a take on this, especially for like super flex leagues and, and, you know, where you might be taking quarterbacks, um, you know, where a little bit deeper quarterbacks than you would in just a regular one quarterback league. But, uh, you know, especially you, Thor, with, you know, being a Vikings fan, uh, how do you feel about them taking Kellen Mond uh, there in the top of the third? Wasn't a big fan. You don't like uh, Kellen Mond like Chris Sims loves Kellen Mond? No, it's Mond. like, it's like, yeah, yeah, indeed. My, my, my colleague Chris may have used a top 10 pick out of, uh, but for me, you know, e- even down there, it's like, what are you guys doing? You're, you're taking the next Josh Dobbs, like you're, you have the, the 66 pick. The Vikings at that time, one of the reasons they traded down with the Jets, even with Derisaw there, knowing that they yeah. could lose him was because they had more uh, needs, you know, immediate needs where they needed an immediate starter than they had picks, you know, in day one or day two. So, so, so they had to do that. And it was like, oh, okay, great. You know, now with these extra third round picks, like they're going to be able to plug the interior thing. They're going to be able to plug edge. They're going to be able to plug the couple right. things in the secondary. And then they take Kellen Bod. It's like, you know, and, and maybe, you know, I, I'm sure there was a, a, a thought around the league of like at some point at the end of round two or the very beginning of round three, there's going to be a quarterback run. And like, I'm, I'm guessing Spielman was just sort of watching, watching, watching. And to his credit, I, I'm sure he didn't want Kyle Trask, which, which I can congratulate him for. But like yeah. right when that happens, it's like, oh, we got to go and get mine. We got to go get mine. It's someone, like, yeah. N- no, you don't. That that is a pick that's nodding to the, the the Kirk Cousins future. But all you 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 did with it is getting that guy his backup. Kellen Bond's yeah. never going to be a long term starter no. in the NFL. It's it's a waste of a pick when when you have a roster that needed immediate help. Right. Yeah. I I, I actually had um, my rankings uh, had as were exactly in order of how all the quarterbacks went, the top ten quarterbacks, except for Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Those were flipped, but everything else was right. And I thought Kellen Mond would be. I think it was like this is the fifth, the uh, no, sixth quarterback on, um, but just not there, not that early, you know. And 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 I like there's aspects of his game, but I just didn't like why the Vikings took him because, like you said, he's not going to be the start. And if he is, because Kirk's hurt good luck. And, you know, you might want to sign a veteran or someone else to come in. Um, Tags, I, I was listening to uh, uh, the show, I think it was from Monday, talking about the NFL draft, and I did hear what you were saying about Davis Mills there. Um, and 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 I think it was, from what I remember, not, uh, you weren't really liking it, but was it more about where he landed, what the Texans decided to do by selecting him there, or him as a prospect and, and his potential in the NFL? Yeah, I think it's a terrible pick for a few reasons, and and one being the fact that the Texans are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. I think we all know that. In the third round, you can still draft starters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There were players in the board that can contribute to your football team. You have holes all over the place. Just take a talented football player that's going to contribute for years to come. Davis Mills, what's going to happen is this team's going to come out of the gate slow. They're going to suck. They're going to lose games. They're going to put Davis Mills in, and he's he might not be good. He might even be mediocre. Let's call him mediocre. Let's call him a, a Gardner Minshew type quarterback. <laughs> I don't even think he's going to be that 
that good, but let's say that he is, you get to the the, the draft the next year, you're taking a quarterback and he's going back to your bench. And therefore you have yeah. a player in your roster. It, it, it absolutely makes zero sense as a franchise. You know where you're at. You have to understand it. And it was just a panic pick to me. It's almost just like they get to the point where it's like, oh, now these quarterbacks are going off the board and we, we need to take one. In reality, you didn't because you're going to be drafting one next year. It's going to be a wasted pick. This is this is just a, this is classic Houston Texans. Yeah. Well, so um, going back to the wide receiver position in this round, um, you know, just scrolling down of, of the list of who was taken, um, we, we got Josh Palmer uh, from Tennessee going to to the Chargers in the with the seventy seventh overall pick. Um, someone that I definitely had a lot lower in our rankings, or just overall at the Droppables consensus rankings, we we gosh, we were a lot uh, lower on Josh. So to see him go that high uh, was a surprise to us, but was a surprise to you guys again being more plugged in than we are with the Josh Palmer pick. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was one of those guys. It was a, there was like three, four guys that at the very end of the process shot up. And he was one of those guys, just like in the last couple of weeks that you started hearing about that you hadn't beforehand. So I, I, I'm not surprised that he, that he got into, I guess the third round, it was a little bit above where, you know, still where I of course would have taken him, but also I thought he was going to go more fourth round, but yeah. at, at least I was tipped off to the idea. Like this guy's going to be a middle round pick. Well, like we had Yami Brown above him, you know, and Yami went like right after him, I think, or yeah, a couple of picks after him in the same round. Um, so just, you know, surprised and, um, to, to see him there. And then we saw another, a couple, another, uh, a running back go. And then another one that I want to ask tags about, cause I think I heard him talk about Nico Collins too. And it wasn't the, like, I just, I love this kid. I love this kid as a prospect. And I was hoping that he, you know, like you guys were going to say good stuff about, I was like, all right, Nico Collins, you guys got to him. I'm like, oh damn. Like they hate him too. But I, I like Nico can't. Collins. He, yeah, he but he's the guy that I like the most of those guys in that round, to be honest. Yeah. But it's so tag, but you know, so is it I didn't more about just a player? I the, had issues. So my issue is like, he's a hard worker. He's not the best yeah. route runner, but he works hard to get open. Uh, but the issue is always come back to Michigan. It come back to his quarterback play. It was terrible. Off Shea Patterson. And, then, and then he goes Shea to Houston and it's like, this is the worst. Like, oh. you know, like <laughs> will it change in the future? Because again, I talk about Houston drafting a quarterback next year. And yes. And in, in dynasty, if you're part of a, a team that, you know, you're rebuilding, taking Nico Collins here is not the worst thing because again, you look at this depth chart, you say, Brandon cooks is aging. Randall Cobb is just a guy, Kiki QT, you know, it's very easy to climb this depth chart to where he might be the number one if he flashes mm -hmm. just a little bit in 2020 uh, in 2021, where it's like when you get a new quarterback, all of a sudden he's a guy that's going to be in line for 100 plus targets, because, again, that defense is pathetic. It's terrible. Um, they didn't add anything to the pass rush. It, that, that, that franchise is in a bad way. And I feel bad for the fans of that team because, you know, if you're a fan of a team, some people say, oh, you could just stop being a fan. No, I think you have to go through no. the I mean, I'm a Bears yes. fan for Christ's sake. Hey, I'm a Raiders fan. Is. You're a Raiders <laughs> fan. You know, um, Vikings fan, you said. Yeah, at least y'all have won a Super Bowl. I'm just sitting here like uh, <laughs> the Vikings fan sitting right in the room with you guys. Yeah, no, it's you have to go through those ups and downs, but it's right now it's just it's a dumpster fire. And it's it almost feels to the, to the point where it's like, are you guys even a, you know, uh, you know, when the Jaguars came into the league, you know, like the compensation, like all those picks that they had to get and like to build that franchise. I feel like that's the Texans right now. It's just a yeah. bad football team that has to rebuild. And unfortunately, they don't even have the picks to rebuild. So, oh, it, it's so bad. <laughs> I feel bad for Nico Collins that he landed there because a lot of people were higher on Nico Collins. It's like, oh, once he gets a good, better quarterback play, you're going to see how good this kid is. And I do believe it's a depth chart he can climb, but I just mm -hmm. don't unfortunately have faith in the quarterbacks that are there right now. Um, it's going to be the same thing that he went through at Michigan. Do you think he's worth uh, like a mid third round pick in rookie drafts? 
Oh yeah. In third round rookie drafts. I, I don't think people realize just how worthless those are um, yeah. in terms of like the hit rate on those, on those right. prospects where you take guys that you have conviction in. Like Mike Mayock said, if you have conviction on a guy, you take him in the first round, no matter what, you don't do that. <laughs> and it's the same rules in dynasty, right? Like first round, no, you're taking good football players and like you're taking the value when it's presented to you. Second round, it's like, okay, the hit rate is lower and lower. And if you have a, a guy, a couple spots, you know, otherwise trade back like a normal person in the yeah. third round, take your guys if you have a guy yeah. that you really like like a nico collins you absolutely draft him i, I love that uh line I, I might have to make it a gif after they're like trade back like a normal person that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> what you need to be doing um uh one, one running back that went in this job uh in this round that a lot it was moving up people's boards uh as a, we approached draft day was a uh, trey sermon um from ohio state and now you know he lands with the the 49ers which have you know just love to collect running backs and always have all the the, the most running backs but trey sermon landing there um do you think he has a path of fantasy relevance um and, and could eventually be their their running back one uh to to thor uh, I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah. You know, like the, the first three running backs, it sort of went how we thought it would go where like mm-hmm. they were gone, the top 35, top 40 things. And then there was just this huge gap between, you know, between the top of the second and then what turned out to be the third. We knew yeah. there was going to be somewhat of a gap, but I ranked uh, Sermon like as a uh, the high end of the third round. I think I, I'm like 67 overall. So he he dropped a little bit further than I, I thought he would. He ended up going 88. I, I really like the value shopping there by San Francisco. You speak of another team that's not going to have a ton of draft equity, you know, going forward uh putting sermon next to lance i thought was really really smart that you know they have mm-hmm. a lot of type niche backs but sermon's a guy that can can play every single down i love the way that his game you know sort of he showed flashes earlier in his career had some injuries and stuff like that and then down the stretch obviously he had that dominant like three four game yeah. run um I, I i comp him to joe mixon and like i said I, I i had him a bit above where where san francisco got him so i had no problem with that pick at all nice yeah, I like him there too. Yeah, he the couple of guys I talked to uh, uh, about running backs on the show just yeah kept pushing them up for, uh, for my draft board and um, yeah I think that's a fantastic spot because they 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 needed that guy. I feel like they had it for one second with like Carlos Hyde for like two games, you know, and then like ever since then it's just been like who's healthy and who can be back there and run the ball and it's been a mix of you know McKinnon and Wilson and Mostert and Coleman and all, you know, all these guys and now they feel like they finally maybe got like a, a workhorse type running back that can be out there and, and, and taking uh, a lot of the carries. Uh, another uh, we, we we talked about Kyle Pitts earlier and, and Pat Firemuth went round two but then we started to have the rest of the tight ends uh, uh, come off the board in, in round three uh, of Hunter Long, Tommy Tremble and Trey McKitty uh, shout out to Steffi Smalls for putting putting us on blast about Trey McKitty um, and getting him on our on our board because I had no idea who the hell Trey McKitty was before I talked to her um, and had her on the show. Uh, but of all those three guys, uh, do you think you know? I'm great, and you know it's tight ends and um, you know take a lot a while to mature, and they're not Kyle Pitts, but those three guys, Long, Tremble, McKitty. Uh, do you think any of them has a path to fantasy relevance in uh, you know the next couple of years? Long does for sure. Long's a good receiver. That's one of the the he's one of those rare tight ends that can catch the ball while he's going full steam and then yeah. seamlessly go up without any momentum stopping. Well, and the other thing I liked about that kid was he was miscast earlier earlier in his career with Boston College because they had a coach named Steve Adazio. You guys remember from watching the AJ Dillon film? It was just you know twelve sides yep. block block run block run block run block. And then this past season they got the new guy in the Ohio the ex Ohio State coordinator and he brings in Phil Jerkovich who was a, a ex five star at Notre Dame just couldn't get out of the field because. 
they wanted to play Ian Book. Speaking of wasted draft picks, uh, and then you know with Jerkovic this year, it was a totally different offense. You know, more of a, a throwing thing and downfield and stuff like that. And Long really blossomed as a receiver, and he's getting better as a blocker. That would be the one thing that would concern me about the NFL is like you know initially like you know he he wouldn't be able to justify a spot because he can't block in line. But I think he's getting you know he's gotten better at that because of his tutelage under Adazio, even though he was an ill fit for that system. Tommy Tremble, I like him more. Um, but, but, you know, a little bit than, uh, than long, but even though I think tremble is going to have an immediate impact, um, because he's the draft's best blocker, he's just right. an absolutely nasty mother effer. Um, but like, as far as a receiver, the jury is still totally out on that because mm-hmm. Tommy tremble just so happened at college to play early on with Cole Komet. And then last season when Komet left, they had a Kim day, Michael Meyer. Yeah. He's going to be the first tight end selected, you know, in a year or two, whenever he comes out. So, like, they had stud receiving tight ends both times. They just used Tremble around the formation, stuff like that, block and block and block it. We, we, we've seen him catch just a little bit, and he he is athletic. Like, he tested athletic and stuff like that. So, I'm not putting it past him. But if right. you're looking for, you know, an immediate contribution from a tight end, Tremble's not going to be that this coming season. Yeah. Well, like, we might see Tremble stay on a, a team longer, right? But because he's a blocking tight end more. Then actually be fantasy relevant. Uh, Tags any any faith in Trey McKitty? I mean, landing with the Chargers is kind of a pretty sweet landing spot, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a short depth chart too. I mean, Jared Cook is. I mean, Jared Cook's Jared Cook. I think we know that at this yeah. point. Donald Parham. I mean, these guys. It's an easy depth chart to climb. And when you're tied to Justin Herbert, obviously you want to find that. And it's it's a really shallow wide receiver depth chart. Obviously, adding Josh Palmer in the third round was a big thing. Uh, and I love the pick actually. You know, Mike Williams. He's not tied to the Chargers after this year. Um, you know, Palmer, a route runner. You know, if he can learn from someone like Keenan Allen, you know, just just little things to, to make differences in his game, I think it'll make, be fantastic. So I love Palmer and drafts. But as for the tight ends, it's almost like I felt like NFL teams in this draft, like it was a weak yeah. tight end class. Treat it like one. You know, yeah. don't draft a tight end in the third round just because historically that's where the tight ends come off the board. You know, if he falls to you in a draft, sure. If you want to take a, a shot at him in the fourth or fifth round of rookie drafts, I'm fine with that. But I'm not going to take him over some of my guys. You know, someone like Nico Collins in the third round that we've talked about. Someone like Dwayne right. Falls. I even like Cade Johnson, you know, a uh, wide receiver that went undrafted that Seattle signed. Uh, remind me a little bit of Tyler Lockett, honestly. I mean, he's not fast like Tyler Lockett, but I'm yes. talking about in terms of what he does off the line of scrimmage, the way he works, uh, the middle of the field he will outwork anybody. And it's like, I think Pete Carroll will fall in love with a guy like that. And he's basically one injury away from getting on the field. So I would rather take guys like that than reach on one of these tight ends. And Tommy Tremble, by the way, love that dude. Like I like watching him. play football. <laughs> he's a good receiver or anything like that. He's like a Kyle Juszczyk type player where it's yeah. like, I love the pick and it's like, do they use him as the fullback or they keep him a tight end? Uh, it'll be interesting, but I dig him. Right. Yeah. And, you know, sorry, guys, I just like I had to talk about tight ends. That's why I felt I had uh, Mike Lou and Peter Howard on my show uh, last uh, last time we did it. And like I was like, OK, we got to ring tight ends like it just you know, you have to talk about them. It's a fantasy show. But, you know, yeah, it's not an exciting class. It's, it's tight ends anyway. Um, and they're, they're, they're never that great to talk about. But, um, you know, so now, now we're getting to day three um, before we wrap it up uh, for today's podcast. Um, and, you know, this is where we're getting to like really you know, statistically, you know, analytically, the the more long shot prospects, uh, the draft capital isn't what you want to fit into the to, the models to really predict some sort of fantasy success. But um, there's there's still some really good players here that went. Uh, one of my favorites is Michael Carter. I mean, if he was like just two picks earlier, he would have day two draft capital, and uh, it would make his profile look a lot better. Uh, but just you know, 
because it's like rounds what four through seven, uh, we're not going to go through it all. I just want kind of want to get your guys' takes on um, in in this area. You know, who are kind of your favorite prospects, um, and regardless if it's if it's fancy, even just from a fit for for NFL teams, um, but just who you like seeing here that you know maybe you thought could have gone higher. Tags, why don't we start with you? Uh, you know, Cornell Powell is someone that I, I I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, he was a guy that played behind a really deep wide deep wide receiver depth chart at Clemson, and when he finally got a shot to play, he played really well. Uh, and obviously, he played with Trevor Lawrence, so that's going to make a lot of receivers yeah. look better. But at the same time, now he's going to Patrick Mahomes on a Chiefs depth chart that behind Tyreek Hill is wide open. Wide you know open, I mean? like, yeah. Really, they're re-signing Demarcus Robinson. Are we seeing yeah. it? Like, haven't we seen enough of this? Like, that's where I'm saying. Like, I, I right. think Cornell Powell might work his way into the starting lineup. Nicole Hardman is a guy that Andy Reid. It seemed like the first year, it's like, okay, he's young. You know, he's learning the ways around. We're going to keep him on special teams. And then it was like the next year, they wanted him to be a receiver. They removed him off special teams, and then they put him back on it. You know, as mm-hmm. the season got closer. So I think that they realize he's just not the player that's going to be out there in every down player. So, you know, you look at that depth chart, you know, Byron Pringle, are these guys we're really worried about? So uh, Cornell no. Powell, even though he fell to the fifth round, um, he's someone that I do like. I think he profiles as a good wide receiver in that offense. Uh, again, I'm just looking for production in high scoring offenses, tying yourselves to, to guys like Aaron Rodgers, to Patrick Mahomes, to Russell Wilson. These are all good things in dynasty because again, if those players ever get a shot, it's like, it's going to be a shot. You know what I mean? Like a legitimate shot to actually produce. Uh, Whereas guys that, that fall into poorer offenses, it's like, even if they get a shot, are we really that excited about them? They might be a borderline top 50 wide receiver. So uh, Amon Rasse Brown, uh, he's someone that a lot of people are getting excited about. I said to dial back expectations for him in year one. And I said that because we don't really know what the Lions are projecting to use him as. Is he going to be the slot receiver right out of the gate? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Geronimo Allison took a year off football. They, 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 that was part of the previous coaching regime, so I don't know. Um, Quintus Cephas doesn't profile as a slot receiver. Um, Tyrell Williams, Brashad, it's a mess of a depth no. chart, but yeah. Jared Goff is a mess of a quarterback. So um, <laughs> right. it's going to be a low-scoring offense, not a whole lot of touchdowns, so you're kind of looking for tons of targets. But my stat that I had is that there have been uh, 36 wide receivers um, drafted over the last eight years in the fourth round. None of them in their first year have finished as a top 50 wide receiver. So this is more of a dynasty conversation. But yeah, you look for the guys that's either easy depth charts to climb or you find guys that are tied to elite quarterbacks like a Cornell Powell. Yeah. Yeah. I would loved Amon Rossi and Brown. I mean, I, and I've told a lot of people, uh, my, my love of it is, is very much a Homer pick. Uh, we went to the same high school. He went to USC. That's my favorite uh, college to watch. Uh, and so I was really rooting for him and, and to see him go to the lions. It's like, yeah, it's such a mix. Uh, Cause at least he's got drafted, but then yeah, seeing that, uh, that round four draft capital just is, isn't great. And then, you know, like you're saying, what, what's he going to, you know, what's his role going to be, how he's going to play and then how Jared Goff is going to be. I mean, we've seen him be pretty decent. And, you know, we've seen them be a exact opposite. So uh, hopefully uh, it works out for the Lions. Uh, they definitely brought some pieces in uh, and, and hopefully they get better. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, one of the other guys I like there, too, was uh, Ramondre Stevenson uh, to the Pats. Uh, just because he's like reminds me of Garrett Blunt. And, and you know, I think that fits into the Patriots scheme, although it's a, you know, super crowded uh, backfield uh, and always has been. Uh, Thor, how do you how do you like Ramondre there? Um, is he a guy that you had high on your list? He is. I, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Ramondre. Um, I, I ended up ranking him uh, running back six. So I had him behind Michael Carter and 
nice. and Trey Sermon at, at four or whatever, but huge fan of his game. Um, you know, I was coming in <clears throat> and then some other, you know, like the folks that started to look into him, I, I think some of them were dissuaded by his pro day numbers. But the, the thing with that kid that's really special, he's he's the hammer back, but he's got really, really good feet. And so when you watch mm-hmm. him, you, you'll note yes. that he's able to change sort of the angle and the target coming right up to the contact point of the defender. So instead of getting hit flush, he's consistently getting hit off target because you you got to bring your your effing lunch pail to take that kid down. Oh, and yeah. probably two guys need to take bring their lunch pail. But the guy oh, yeah. c- coming up to him rarely hits him flush because he can change the angle real fast, like in that in those two steps leading up to the the contact point and then his his contact balance is very good um you saw last season when he came off of a suspension and by the way the suspension is one of the reasons that he fell it might be the primary reason in conjunction with the fact that he was a juco before that but he was yep. one of the the more impressive juco backs of the 20 of the last 20 years number one and then as far as the 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 suspension that he had we cost him the bowl game last year first like three or four games this year um it was one failed marijuana test one failed marijuana test his juco coach said he never failed any test here never had a problem with him Ramondre Stevenson is one of my favorite players that I have ever coached I vouch for that kid no matter what nice. you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, that was the only failed marijuana test he ever had we could certainly debate uh the whole marijuana test thing I don't think that is even going to be a thing in three or four years it's a joke that it yeah. still is it's an absolute totally. joke um and with Ramondre Stevenson for that one thing to cause the fall here um, to me, he was more of a, a day two uh, type guy, a, a third round type back. I, I think that yeah. the Patriots uh, got one over on on some teams. And unfortunately for me, the, the, the team they really got it over on was the Vikings. Because one pick before that, the Vikings took the shot on that Iowa State kid that we hadn't seen for four yes. years, but that he, he came out and tested awesome. And and, and Wangu. And if you want to take, if you want to do the, the shoot the moon thing, great. But it's a running back in a bad running back class like we already <laughs> talked about in the fourth right. round. They, they took him as like running back six. And when you've got a guy like Ramondre on the board, you you absolutely cannot do that. Like mm-hmm. after it falls off a shelf and the talent was about to, because then like Chuba Hubbard was going, some of these other, you know, guys yeah. that are, are pretty close to Bubs. Like it, you have to take Ramondre if you're going to take a running back there. So, so it goes back to another reason why I didn't like that. The Vikings class. Well, and then you mentioned Chuba. He was another one I was high on. I mean, he's in my intro video. Um, loved his 2019. Obviously, 2020 was what it was. Um, but do you think he has a path uh, uh, to at least you know stay on the team as a backup to CMC? I mean, we saw what Mike Davis can do when CMC was hurt. Um, you know, can we see Chuba kind of step into the same similar role and then have a couple of weeks of fantasy relevance? Yeah, so you, I mean, you mentioned like 2019 was was really really good. You know, he's one of the country's best backs. Fell in love with him because of that. Like, yeah, and it. he handled a ridiculous workload that year. So I will say that, and he was still good at the end of the season. You know, it wasn't we? We just talked about a prospect award. Oh, James Robinson. He wore it out at the end of the season. That did not happen with Chuba that that year in Oklahoma State. Um, however, one thing that we know about Chuba is that he has really bad hands. He might have the the worst hands mm-hmm. of any running back in this class. He is not a good receiver, and he fumbles the ball way too much. Like. Ramondre Stevenson in far less field time, far less snaps, yeah. far less everything. He was a better receiver in college than Chuba. Not only that, in terms of efficiency, he was also more explosive. So, and, and every single metric. So, I think if Carolina is looking at him like, oh, we got this super explosive guy that's like an awesome backfield receiver, I, I think they're going to be uh, very, they're going to be mistaken. If, if they want to go to the, the, you know, if they're going to go Brady, you know, again, and it's going to be like the, the four guys out or whatever, that's at least something that Chuba can do because what we saw at Oklahoma State, the, the best thing he did 
it was when you know everyone was was spread or whatever and he does that straight line the speed thing yeah. you know yeah. with 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 etn it's the crazy uh you know ex explosion right off the bat with shuba it's more of like the the sprinter you see in like the olympics kind of a thing you know he sort mm -hmm. of runs tall and yes. he sort of chews up more field than you think he is in you know but like if you can get him into space where he like has that that thing right in front of him lane right in front of him that's when you see the explosive plays the issue with that kid is like if he's not hitting home runs he's striking out and then sometimes it's you know the, the even i don't even, i shouldn't have said strike out maybe pop out and then <laughs> and then he's striking out with the fumbles and the drop catches yeah. and stuff like that so so that's my concern about him right on yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, we've seen that a lot. Uh, you know, and, and before we start to wrap this up, uh, Vivek Iyer from the Undroppables, uh, one question I want to pose uh, to both of you, but maybe the you know to tags to start off. But thoughts on Jalen Darden because uh, he went there at the same fourth round to the to the Buccaneers. You know, uh, year one with Godwin, I don't see anything happening. But beyond that, there's still Tyler Johnson plus twenty percent of their own snaps with AB and Miller in the slot. Uh, so yeah, tags thoughts on uh, Jalen Darden. I like Darden. I actually had him slightly higher than Tutu Atwell on my draft board. So um, to see him follow the box there where they did. Now the question is, is like, does he see the field? I don't know if he ever does. I think this is more a depth pick. Uh, I think yeah. they're preparing for potentially having life without Chris Godwin after 2021. They put him on the franchise tag. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know how it's going to work with him in terms of the future and how they're going to be able to pay him with all the the cap situations they have this year and they're going to have him again next year. Uh, so it, it's just more of a depth signing to me. Uh, I do like him as a player, but I just don't see him getting on the field right now. They like Scotty Miller. They re-signed Antonio Brown. They have Godwin. Tyler Johnson's that bigger slot receiver. Um, so again, Darden projected as somewhat of a slot receiver. So I, unfortunately I, I moved him down my board because of the landing spot. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, and we kind of talked about like the bucks earlier. It's like, I don't know what do you add to a team that that's pretty well set up. You know, you just kind of add some pieces that can fit in the depth, uh, the, your depth chart, and, and add some uh, uh, some just some bodies on the field at times or even for practice. But uh, yeah, one guy that we had to add to our rookie draft guide that's coming out here soon um, from the Undroppables uh, was Jalen Darden. Seeing that uh, draft capital, we're like, okay, we need to make sure we're talking about this guy. Um, you know, and then we had Tylen Wallace go at the same. Uh, a couple uh, picks after that, uh, another guy that we were high on that just kind of fell. Um, but, you know, but after that, you know, we we're starting to just run into like, you know, long shot candidates, like kind of mentioned earlier. And, and, you know, Thor, I want to get your take on undrafted free agents, especially because you've been ranking them, uh, getting them real deep. Uh, but before I do that, uh, just, you know, I'm seeing here a name that uh, Joe Pisapia uh, tags as a co-host messed up on his podcast. So it's uh, Tommy Tongiai. Uh, from Ohio State, I know he had a hard time with that one, so I just wanted to make sure that, that he uh, that I correct that for him. But uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Thor, well, who's who's your favorite uh, drafted free agent that or that went undrafted and signed, and you know think that you think that has a potential? Uh, who who's that James Robinson in the class that we're all hoping for? The, the, by the way, that anecdote was really funny. I was I was going to tell you guys like a week before the draft was when I first learned that it's not Morig, it's Merig, and I was like, I've been oh, mispronouncing this like yeah, the whole time, time. <laughs> you know, like yeah. And I watched that kid in college. Like the, yeah. the announcers were also mispronouncing it. So everyone you know, that, it happens a lot. As as far as the undrafted guys, okay, the, the show is starting now. We get to talk to undrafted guys. <laughs> uh, JV and Hawkins to the Falcons, I think, is really interesting. Do, can you guys even tell me what the Falcons are doing? Like, who's their yeah? Why did they draft a running back like who's their starter right now mike davis mike davis <laughs> really <laughs> okay well good luck with that um and then who's is, who's their do they even have any like backups like is uh, brian hill 
that's about it. Oh, it's going back to Wyoming. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was even Josh Allen running there. Okay. Um, but like Javian Hawkins, not only did I have him as the best undrafted running back, um, I, I had him as RB12, um, but he also goes to arguably the best landing spot for any free agent running back. So that's something where you give kudos to his representatives. They had clearly sussed out the Falcons. We want the offer from the Falcons, and that's what they took. He's got a really, yeah. really, really good shot of making that team. I, I comp him to Noel Devine, who people from back at the college yes. football fans were back in the day will remember the West Virginia kid. Just super, mm-hmm. super fun. We'll see if Javian can, um, with, with those skills, if he can, you know, have them last a little bit longer in, in in the NFL. What you see with him, it's a ton of the explosive runs, but then it's like a thing of like, if if at the line he gets touched or there's some problem there, he's going down kind of a thing. And then the other thing I need to see with Javian, um, in addition to becoming more efficient, because again, he, he, he gives you the explosion, um, want to see a little bit more efficiency there as a runner. The other thing we need to see is him as a receiver. If that kid had shown that he could receive in college, he would have been like a top Mm, he wouldn't have gotten above Ramondre, but he probably would have been one spot behind that. So like, you know, seven, eight kind of a range. Um, And so, and and that could happen. I mean, Louisville, they had super uh, Doug, you know, you know what kind of quarterback play the last couple of years is one reason that Tutu was like, I'm out of here last year. It's like, I'm not catching balls for that Cunningham kid anymore. And then Jarrett Patterson, I thought was, he's another good one. Uh Should have been drafted. He goes to Washington. He's stuck behind Gibson. So it's not quite as an ideal of a landing spot. Um, Some of the other kids like, uh, um, Spencer Brown, I thought was interesting from UAB. I wish he'd got to, uh, to the bills because they took the other Spencer Brown, just like the jets took the two Michael Carters. We could have mm. both Spencer Browns. Uh, he could have like matched the, you know, the AFC yeah. East you know, thing. <laughs> um, but like, um, he, he ends up going to the Panthers. H- his issue is like the guys in front of him. I don't know if there's going to be any room for him, but he's basically like 92% of what AJ Dillon is like across the board. And so I was a little bit surprised if, if the NFL sees AJ Dillon as a second round pick, I'm surprised they, they saw Spencer Brown as undraftable. The other kid i'll just bring up one more that the, the, a kid like to, to keep an eye on later down is nate mccrary um you know one of the oh. sort of small school de jour running backs yeah. um, i like that kid a lot and he tested very well that's what reminds me of the robinson thing a little bit of like the only thing robinson tested poorly at was speed but we knew that kid wasn't a burner his his pro day right. workout was an unmitigated success because he showed the nfl every other thing that you have a question about he was much better at that than we thought um and you know in, in the same way with McCrary he went to his pro day workout and he tested better than we thought he has all the production from you know behind him with the small school he ends up going to the Ravens which I found pretty fascinating because I don't love the Ravens running back situation I I wasn't a Dobbins guy coming out and the other guys Mm -hmm. take him or leave him that's a spot where if like you have a UDFA running back where it's like he starts flashing in camp I think the coaches ears are going to peak way up on that yeah, and, and that's what like I think a lot of people uh, or just a lot of the casual fancy football fans forget is just if these guys come in and they're making plays, they're gonna find a way to get to the field. You know, even if it's just in practice, they're making those plays. They're gonna find a way to get them because that at the end of the day, you got to make the plays. So yeah, we always see that every year. There's always someone that slips in the draft. There's always someone that comes out that just surprises people, shocks people. Oh, came out of nowhere. I didn't have this guy ranked. And, and the pieces were always there. You just had to see it, and then the opportunity had to happen. We saw it happen with James Robinson last year when all of a sudden uh, they decided to, to ship off uh, Fournette, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, the opportunity's there, and he takes it and runs with it. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you ranked these guys because it's always someone that, you know, we need to keep an eye on these guys. If you're in those deep dynasty leagues, you got a taxi squad, stash these guys, or just keep an eye on them on your watch list because you never know. They may blow up. They may be Alvin Kamara one day. You never know. 
Uh, but tags, you know, the last couple of years you've been on uh, on the show, you've always kind of thrown out like just kind of a long shot candidate that you really, um, you know, were high on. And I'm blanking on the, on the names you've thrown out here in the past. I know one of them ended up on the Bears as a wide receiver, but just didn't shake out. Um, but yeah, you know, if these if these undrafted guys are just late round uh, rookie picks, um, who, who's one guy that you kind of have your hopes set on that, you know, could have a potential fancy relevancy in the future? I dug the JV and Hawkins one uh, as an unrestricted free agent. Like again, that it, it's all about opportunity and that the Falcons have seemingly just kind of been like, well, whatever, we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but Kate <laughs> Johnson, Kate Johnson, Seattle. Um, he's one I want to attach my name to. I talked about him a little bit earlier in terms of Seattle having a very, very weak depth chart behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Lockett's been known to deal with some injuries throughout his career. Um, if he were his time, I would hunt again. This all comes down to the landing spot with Russell Wilson, having that quarterback with precision accuracy, uh, someone that it, if you're open, he's going to find you. He keeps his eyes on the field. But again, Pete Carroll, for as much as heat as Pete Carroll takes about talking crap and doing this and that, he will put the best player on the field. And yeah. that goes back to, you know, when Russell Wilson was first drafted there, uh, they had signed Matt Flynn in free agency to a pretty big yep. contract. And uh, everybody's like, there's no way Russell Wilson's going to start. And Pete Carroll did it because in the end, he has to put the best field, uh, the best team on the field. And I think Kay Johnson is a guy that come from a smaller school. So people doubted him, saw him at the senior bowl. He wrecked competition to the senior bowl like if you were if, you, if you've never heard of Cade Johnson and you want to see what I'm talking about you could look it up on YouTube right now uh the senior bowl like his reps there were fantastic and uh I do believe he can be a difference maker and I believe he's going to earn his way out of that team I, nice. I, I, I want to echo tags there as well he Johnson was by far my highest rated uh receiver that didn't get taken I had him receiver 15 the next highest guy was was 24 the only reason was because of his Raz thing like after the senior bowl he was like 95 percent plus to get drafted and then he comes out and he he tests as a 30th percentile athlete and i think that was enough for the nfl in conjunction with him being a small school guy and being a smaller dude a smaller slot yeah. receiver being like uh-uh you know he he's more of an undrafted guy it wouldn't surprise me at all if you look in five years from now that k johnson has more receptions than Dwayne Eskridge. and i don't even think that is a particularly hot take yeah you know the, the other kid I'll toss out as far as a receiver goes, like this guy is way off the, the grid, but Tim Jones from Southern Miss, I really, really like Tim Jones. Tim Jones was like really good the past couple of years, but with just the, the tire fire type uh, circumstances. Last year, uh, Southern Miss had three different head coaches during the season. One of them got, I don't know if he fired or he, qu he quit, like, you know, after what game, but then the guy that they, you know, elevated him, he he gets like an offer from Austin P. And so in like week seven, he's like, I'm out of here, guys. And then they Come had on. to put their, their third head coach at it. Their quarterback play was a joke. Their whole offense was a joke. It was one of the worst teams in the FBS last year. But Tim Jones continued to play well. And then he was a kid that came out and uh, tested very well as well. Uh, 90th percentile athleticism. He's built fine too, 6'1, 203. So th th there's nothing to suggest that that kid's not going to make it. And I think that yeah. he is going to make a roster. Nice. I, I love all those uh, deep dives, those those late uh, round guys. Uh, I always joke on my on my show. You know, I, I really do this for myself, uh, just to get you know you guys to come talk to me, give me all the information, so I can go and dominate my fantasy leagues. But you know, if and the people listen, that's great. You know, whatever. I really don't care about the listens. I'm really just trying to get information from you guys, from my fabulous guests that have great, awesome info. I write all this down, and and thank you for. Uh, you know, throwing out some names out there to keep an eye on. But, you know, before we wrap it up for today's show, we have a, a little bit of a tra tradition here at the two on one fantasy sports uh, to give out free nuggets. And that's just any words of advice, words of wisdom uh, regarding anything, uh, the rookie drafts, uh, evaluating players, uh, anything. Uh, so, you know, Thor, why don't we start with you? Uh, just, a, you know, a free nugget for the listeners out there. 
Um, well, I'll say we, we didn't hit tight ends undrafted free. So I'll say that uh, Matt Bushman is not going to make the Raiders. I love Matt Bushman. He's not going to make the Raiders because he him and his representatives made the wrong choice in going with the team that had the best move tight end in the NFL last year. But yep. I think uh, Matt Bushman is going to catch on with a different team. And I think you're going to see him early uh, on the field somewhere else. They they made a poor pick, but uh, I, I'm still very bullish on Matt Bushman. Free nuggets. Right on. Yeah, I'm still holding out hope for uh, Foster Moreau for the Raiders. So he's definitely got a lot of people to work. <laughs> the his way island through. of Foster Moreau. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Tags, what about you? Last free nugget for the listeners. Oh, man. I, no, I, honestly, we talked about a lot today. I um, I just appreciate you having me on, dude. I um, It was fun talking football with you guys, Thor. A lot of good takes, yeah, man. man. Really. Uh, you too, sir. I know we'd never been on a podcast before. So it was, it was a pleasure talking with both of you oh, guys. Nice. It, was, it was just a lot of fun. That's all. Yeah. Free nuggets. And that's why I love having you here. I mean, every time you've uh, graced us with your presence, it's just been like talking football, you know, and that's uh, helped me with my other guests with talking about other people. Cause like, well, I can talk to tags about football. I can talk to anyone about football, you know, and, and Thor, uh, the same thing, like I said, man, I, I watch uh, or read a lot of your stuff and, and see your, your rankings and your takes. And so uh, having you both here today to talk to me about these uh, rookies has been great. Um, and, you know, before we, before I let you guys go and sign off, is there anything else you guys want to plug before you go uh, tags? Why don't we start with you on this one? Oh, just check out the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I've been doing that. Uh, we're, we're doing that a couple times a week still. Uh, even in the offseason, we're actually going to be stepping it up a little bit as time goes on. So just check out all my work on fantasypros.com. I, and if you guys have anything that you, you, you do wonder about that hasn't been researched or if you want to take a, a narrative that's always out there and you want me to crush it or see if it's real, you know, let me know. And I'll, I'll always write articles that people want to read. So that's my goal. Is oh, just yeah. What do I want to read as a fantasy player? And I'll, I'll write it for you. Right on. What about you, Thor? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Thorku, and then you can find our, our work at NBC Sports Edge. Uh, this week on the NFL draft section, I'm going to have a UDFA tracker up, followed very closely after that by nice. UDFA class rankings. I would expect those on Monday because uh, I still got to sort through everyone, but um, maybe on Friday. But it, either way, we'll have the UDFA tracker up today. So uh, come and check oh, yeah. us out. Nice. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today on the 2-on-1 Fantasy Sports Podcast presented by the Undroppables. Make sure you like and subscribe below and go to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros podcast and YouTube channels, download the NBC Sports Edge app, and follow these guys on Twitter at Thorku and Mike Teglier NFL. And also type in The Undroppables in the search bar for wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to all four of the great podcasts in the Undroppables network of podcasts. Leave a rate and a review while you're at it. And that's it for us here at the 2-on-1 Fantasy Sports. We'll be taking a break until redraft season later in the summer. We've been doing lots of great stuff for you guys, getting you primed for the rookie drafts. Make sure you check out the Undroppables Rookie Guide, dropping very, very, very soon, and all the great content at theundroppables.com because it sucks to suck. Thanks, guys. Peace. If you do this for me, you will be a made man. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? My team is the raw, seal of flawless, the synopsis as we go into the top. And really, there is no other option. Opposition start tripping. I laugh, they even try to top this. Embarrass competition like women caught in public topless. Toxic flows are locking low, blow minds explode. No crimes patrol, just fighting codes. Get broken by those that's supposed to be your bros. Blood is mud because loyalty is gold. Rolling OGs get blown. Garden grow, bringing the heat like the streets is stuck. Resurrecting real tracks just to kill this beat that's old. Unleashing beast. Saying season royal seas get soaked Bringing so much hot fire that I breathe out smoke Believe in achieving, succeeding over demons Trying to test me, give me a reason to take away air you breathe in Punch like what's in your teeth in Confident, never conceded I clock in that race of cheaters Dashing and dodging policemen Leaking ether out the speakers like a faucet And taking flights to the cosmics I'm breaking up all this bread So I'm well fed in all my pockets Instead of killing your conscience
Yes, we spreading important words like messages from ancient prophets. Stop it, hold up and get a tighter grip of this. Still spitting lyrics sicker than syphilis. No physicists can stop the sickness from destroying phonies into increments. I'm on a higher stage, lighting up like a fireplace. Headed for the moon, it feels like my entire mind's erased. Pushing heavy place, weakling still on that minor weight. Sniper rifle flown, murky chunks from many miles away. Yeah.